This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Sicario, colon, Day of the Soldado. There are no rules on this side of the border. No rules this time. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 329, 329. That's uh, the the place that we came in in our race. 329th? Yep, yep, because we can't drive uh, Formula One. How many are in that race? I think there's only like 16. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just making sure. (laughs) <laughs> all right what, according to senna and according to uh rush that was a deep cut <laughs> all right not a lot of people are gonna get that joke nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> let's let's get into it uh we are gonna talk sicario colon day of the soldado the uh sequel to 2015's sicario and uh, joining us today to talk sicario day of the soldado we have uh he's yet to be shot by mexican police it's producer aaron fink Hello, hello. Yes, I am also Aaron. Exactly. I Aaron. Am I'm gonna have to Aaron. distinguish you guys by like New Earth or Fink. That's fine. You just call me Fink. That, that's, <laughs> that's kosher. Aaron, it's been a, it's been a minute since you've been on. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm uh, just finishing up my master's at Chapman for producing, and uh, you know, having a ball, seeing a bunch of movies, making stuff. Could nice. be nice. Very cool. I'm gonna be really excited in the theater in the future when I see your name on the screen. I'm just gonna be like, I know that guy. A think production. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'll you'll see something soon. Uh, I'm hoping that our my thesis film, which I'm gonna be shooting in the next couple of months, will actually make it into festivals. So hopefully you'll we'll see it there. Yeah, Aaron cool. Fink, comma PGA. Oh yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get to it, guys. Let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first up, we have a contest, guys. You got to draw us a dinosaur. And we've got no dinosaurs. <laughs> nobody, nobody drew us one. We got so, <laughs> so we're extending that. It's going to become one of the situations where it's like the first person that sends a dinosaur, they're going to win some free digital download codes for the Jurassic Park series. It's going to be that simple. Either that, um, or we're going to draw our own, and we're going to give the gift to ourselves. We should yeah, draw. We I should draw our own to show examples of just how terrible they can be, how, how and yet easy. how easy it is to win at the same time. But just just to recap. Uh, for Aaron as well, because he's like, wait, digital download codes for Jurassic Park, drawing, dinosaurs, all three of those things in that order excite me. Let me yeah, <laughs> so let me get back to that. Basically, we have a contest right now where you can enter at outnowpodcast.gmail.com or on our Facebook page or on our Twitter. You just submit an entry of a dinosaur that you made yourself, whether it's through drawing, through some kind of graphic arts program, just slapping a couple pictures together with like, you know, <laughs> cutting and pasting, yeah, any like, number of things, uh, any, anything, yeah, and you give it a name, give it a, your own, you know, your own name for it. That's all you have to do. That it's that easy, and you can win the all, the all, the the first four Jurassic Park films. I got digital download codes for all of them. You can you can get those and just have them. That's easy. That's easy stuff. So uh, yeah, that contest. Ooh, is, I wonder whether they're HD or they're UHD. They're eight, it's HD. <laughs> it's just, it, it, they're, they're the they're digital download codes that come with every DVD per, or Blu-ray purchase these days. So it's you know they don't they don't give you standard definition download streaming codes for movies. <laughs> like, that's not a it's thing. All Brady. It's like Brady. Yeah. <laughs> be the what worst is this, thing. The Stone Age. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just that simple. Draws a dinosaur. Thank Go you very much in advance. Yeah. Um, what else? Let's see. 
uh, commentary track. Speaking of Jurassic Park, our commentary track for Jurassic Park is currently up on uh, iTunes and Audio Boom. You can find that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, myself, Scott Mendelson, and Brandon Peters, we talked all about Jurassic Park for two hours, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and speaking of iTunes, uh, you can log on to iTunes, search for Out Now with Internet, and give us a review or rating. It'd be awesome. You can give us a star rating. You can write us a little written review. All of that works. Please, please, please try and give us a review. That'd be great. And um, what else? Let's see. We had the box office this week where Sicario hit number three. Uh, 19 million not not bad for a movie like this i mean it's all not bad but I, I don't think it's gonna i don't think anyone except for alan aguilera friend of the show had sicario in their top 10 right i mean if every other movie that comes out from here does terribly he has a chance this is far. abe is of course abe is of course referring to the seventh annual summer gamble where uh, we've all predicted what we think are gonna be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer and yes alan aguilera friend of the show does have sicario in that uh, number 10 slot i believe if not number nine uh but yeah Jurassic World still making a, a chunk of dough, sixty million this weekend. Incredibles forty five million. So yeah, those are certainly raking it in. Um, <laughs> Uncle Drew, uh, fifteen million. That's that's a that's a good hit for Uncle we'll, Drew. We'll see what happens. It's in my dark horse. I, I, I think it's in a few of our dark horses. It's yeah, it's your dark horse for one of your dark horses for sure. Yeah, I think it's also Terrence's. Yeah, so uh, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's only going to make so much money but as far as the movie's concerned it got what like mixed positive reviews and a pretty good box office you know opening for for that movie so good you know good on uncle drew <laughs> hashtag pepsi <laughs> pepsi hashtag kazam dude never forget i i love the part where he wished for all the candy bars and kazam gave, gave him all the candy bars and just like filled up like this alleyway yep good stuff all right. The deep cut again. Yep. Um, I have another thing uh, for show notes. Uh, emails. We got an email, Abe. We did. I know. I read it. Yeah, it was a very sweet and kind email. Yeah, well, I'm going to read it right now. It's from a friend of the show, Dion, uh, who's – it's been a while, and exactly here's why. It says, uh, hi, Aaron and Abe. After moving, I fell almost four months behind in my required listening. I'm catching up, and only and I'm only two months behind. You guys have been doing a great job, and I love all the bonus episodes. And now he's going to refer to our The Walking Dead podcast, which I'm also a co-host on. On The Walking Dead podcast, though, I thought it was odd when there wasn't an immaculately prepared uh, red machete segment. You are the acknowledged masters when it comes to symbol punctuation. That does refer to our show, and we are acknowledged masters when it comes to symbol punctuation. That's true. We do like saying our punctuation, because we can't leave that out, right? No. Colons. Yeah, Exactly. And uh, let's see, he says, that being said, my condolences on your mom passing away, Aaron. Her voice has always been a welcome one, and her perspective will be missed in the future. Sincerely, Dion. Uh, thank you, Dion. I appreciate that thank very Thank you, Dion. Much. Yeah. Um, it's good to hear my from you. My heart was filled uh, when I read that email. Yeah, it, it was It was nice to hear. It was nice to hear back from Dion again. It's been, it's been a minute, and I'm very happy. Although, I, I do have to say that, you know, Dion, if you don't want to listen to four months of episodes, you can just listen to the new ones. I mean, I appreciate you going back. And staying adrift. I, I do not agree over. with this. All we've done is spit out gold for the past four months. <laughs> so. I'm not saying that our shows aren't great. I'm just saying that, you know, it's not as though we're a TV show where you have to see, like, in sequence. Hey, there are but running if he's jokes. Two behind, he's not going to hear you for two months. There are mm. running jokes that will need to be catered to for this podcast. <laughs> there is a continuity here, and I'm going to stick. He won't understand the polls, Abe, if you just tell him to stop listening to our past I episodes. guess that's kind of true. I the, polls the polls are important. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, thank you again, Dion. And if you want to email us, outnowpodcast at gmail.com, you can do just that. You can submit your dinosaurs or just write in, you know, fun letters or, you know, think you. well wishes or what have you. All that's uh, very welcome and certainly a good way to get in things. Uh, if you, Especially if you've, you know, rejected Facebook and are like, I don't tweet. You're like, well, this is your last resort. You have email. So you got that going for you. <laughs> 
All right. Um, I think that's it for show notes. Let's move on now. Let's get to know everybody. Reach, we can ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. or better get to know, know everybody. everybody. That's good. Know everybody? There. What's well, good? Question mark? There you go. <laughs> I like that. All right. I'm going to start this one off. Okay. Guys, who is winning in a fight? Benicio Del Toro or Josh Rowland? Mm. Are, are we just talking about them outside of this film, just as people? I, I'm leaving the whatever you want it to be up to you as far as the parameters. I mean, honestly, fight. if it's in the movie, it's Benicio Del Toro. If it's in real life, it's probably Josh Brolin. That's my mm. answer. Interesting. Abe? I think I agree with Aaron Fink. I I would say in real life, it's probably Brolin at this point. He keeps having to bulk up for roles, so it seems like yeah. he's probably yeah. ready to kind of beat some ass if he needs to. Right. But if it was like Benicio Del Toro in like the 90s, when he was like you know, really scrawny but still tall versus yeah. You mean like you know, versus, like usual suspect? Yeah, if he was like fencer weight, <laughs> while like Josh Brolin was just kind of like, hey, I'm kind of in movies sometimes. But he still probably win that fight more often. I, I'd say if it was like I mean, mimic, yeah, if it was like mimic Josh Brolin versus excess baggage, but he's Del Toro. I'm, I'm picking Del Toro <laughs> in that fight, guys. I mean, I feel like you're stretching to make this to make your argument work. You're I'm just giving. Hey, I'm just. I'm, it's an open <laughs> question. I'm just saying. It, it is. Yeah. There you go. That, that's why DN has to listen in sequence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. I've got a question for you. When we get to those those classic jokes about the Del Toro beating up Brolin in a '90s fight, that's why. Hey, that's I'm why just saying that as the collector, he could probably beat up, uh, you know, Hell Caesar's Josh Brolin. No, as the collector, the collector's not doing anything. He's just wearing furry coats okay, and acting fine, all fine, weird. Fine. As as the guy from uh, Last Jedi. DJ's DJ. pretty shifty too. I don't. I would not could have put things past DJ. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm saying the DJ could probably kick uh, that, that movie producer's ass. Bro, let's um, slap it around like Clooney at the end of that movie. Like, he's doing his job there, too. <laughs> and he also has to, like, get home to his wife. I don't remember if he's married. He is. Um, he's I'm very, he's married. Yeah, In he's... this movie, Benicio Del Toro wears a hat as a disguise. What do you guys use as a disguise when you guys are trying to evade the paparazzi? Usually a uh, hat and sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. I like that. You know, I just, Daniel Radcliffe style. I just wear my clothes backwards and pretend I'm part of Crisscross, and then they're like, "Oh, we don't care about him." <laughs> <laughs> they try to sneak up behind you, but what they don't know is that your eyes are behind you already. They're like, "Jump, jump!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you wearing uh, one? Uh, are you wearing uh, overalls, but only one of them is strapped? <laughs> Uh, no, a lot way. of nice references in this no. in this episode. Just a just a sweet baseball jersey. Okay, all right. Nice. Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> What's he do? Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. What's Ken Griffey Jr. up to these days? I think that he's just like relaxing in, and uh, I think he might be like doing some maybe some coaching on the side. I'm not sure. I would assume he's probably coaching or something, right? It's like, you know, he's probably rich, but at the same time, he's probably precise. He's enjoying life. For the love of the game, right? Yes. Yeah. The kid. That's been Griffey pod. The podcast where we talk about Ken Griffey jr. Uh, We'll move on to next week's show. Uh, Okay. Okay. So that was your question, Abe. How do we disguise ourselves? How do you disguise yourself? Uh, I definitely like that, that white sombrero that uh, Benita de Tor has. Very inconspicuous. Very inconspicuous. Exactly. I also like, I, for, for real though, I actually am a big fan of like um, you know those those fake mustaches you can get at the Halloween store. Mm-hmm. I like how you preface this by saying, "For real though, when I need to consider disguising myself, I do really like mustaches." <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I can't grow facial hair. <laughs> Serious business, guys. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get to our poll question. Um, each week and yeah. now we have these fun poll questions where we put two movies against each other in a one-on-one. Are they fun? I think they're difficult. I think they're fun because I make people choose things. Uh, <laughs> but they're a one-on-one death match where choosing one means you save that film, but you also sentence the other film to being erased from existence entirely, which could change Dude, careers right. and what ki- all kinds of things. All kinds of history gets to con- convert into something else. I know. It is. I try to make it very desperate. <laughs> um so, this week, in honor of uh, Sicario, Colvin Day of the Soldado, um, I decided to have a uh, Benicio Del Toro drug movies face-off. Um, so we have mm-hmm. Traffic versus Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh my god, what's... Whoa. So, which so, Aaron, so Aaron, I have to ask you first, before we get to our results, which do you choose to save, and which do you choose to erase from existence? Oh my god. Um, well... If we're going just by the one that I personally enjoy more as a film, then I would keep Fear and Loathing. But I feel like Traffic might be a better film. I don't know. It's it's a really tough call. But I'll say Fear and Loathing just to fair enough. Just to go with my gut. It it is a it it's a weird one to consider. I I I agree. I I would say I think Soderbergh only becomes. There's more of us to enjoy from Soderbergh because traffic exists versus Terry Gilliam will probably still make silly fun movies without Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Maybe sure. John, maybe things with Johnny Depp would happen differently. I don't know. That would be mm-hmm. bombed. So I don't know what, what, what kind of differences <laughs> there would be in a world without Fear and Loathing. We wouldn't see yeah. that. We wouldn't see uh, Tobey Maguire play a, a, a really scared hitchhiker, I guess is, is one thing. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that movie is just one of a kind. You it know, it like... really is. It's certainly a Gilliam joint, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, the listeners have spoken, and they uh, voted for traffic to save sixty percent to forty percent. Yeah, I see uh, that. So uh, I get it. Fairly close, yeah, you know, sixty forty. That's not that's not too far of a, of a split, but uh, certainly one that I think made people think. Uh, I think we even got a comment expressing as much. Uh, but yeah. So sadly, though, I have to say, Fear and Loathing has now been erased from existence. I need to update our official list uh, of movies that we've erased. Well, from the existence. great news is that nobody's really actually seen it. So you know, there you go. Yeah, we've, we it changes all of their memories. Fools. <laughs> um, I, I'm literally up, updating the list right now. I'm typing <laughs> loading on our list. Of so no, we, can, we can no longer say that Johnny Depp was in any of the of the Pirates movies because that the maybe it never happened. I think he still gets the yeah. Pirates movies. I mean, okay, all right. I guess oh, it, or, I mean again that movie flopped. It's not like anyone's career was severely hard because. They, <laughs> like, because and then if you chose if you chose traffic, Benicio del Toro already made that movie, so yeah, there you go. He could probably still make traffic. Like you still you still have Benicio. Benicio still exists. In this yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. I, I I think that he still exists. Maybe uh, maybe he doesn't win his Oscar though because people hadn't seen Fear and Loathing to know that the very big, the the broad depth of this man going from playing his lawyer in there to the most sympathetic character in traffic in traffic yeah, yeah. meeting with a meeting in the in the pool no less yeah exactly i love traffic by the way it's my favorite one of my favorite movies i think it is a perfect ending also just saying um I can't remember the ending but i'm gonna i'm it, gonna it's uh, a wonderful it's a wonderful ending um but anyway uh <laughs> all right that's that's how you play no, no everybody it's good <laughs> wasn't bad no it wasn't bad let's move on let's get out of quickies each week now we do with the guitar back. Trademark. I was happy with that. It's good. I've been taking deep breaths on it lately. It's been it's been working well. Is it because you have not been exercising? No, it's because I mean, if it'd be worse if I wasn't exercising. Okay, all right. That's because I've been drinking more water lately. I think that helps. I think that helps with the, the whole system. 
Are we being are we being sponsored by Britta? <laughs> no. Um, not yet. Not yet. We're you know we're open to sponsorship by Britta. We'll just put that out there. <laughs> but no, I mean sometimes I just do the podcast dry, and then I'm like, why didn't I drink water before? And I've been I've been making sure to have water before lately, and it's been nice. Glad because you need uh, at least sixty four. Nah, sixty four. Yeah, sixty four some odd ounces of water a day. Something so, like that. Yeah, I'm glad it's, that you're it's, it's certainly healthy. This has been yeah. Health Tips of Aaron and Abe, uh, new weekly health <laughs> podcast. Uh, First baseball talk, now health tips. Yeah. Drink your water, kid. Exactly. Uh, Abe, <laughs> have you seen any other movies this week? I haven't seen any other movies, but I did catch up with Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. Just kind of like spot checking from here and there, the episodes that I wanted to see. Um, I really enjoyed the David Letterman episode, and I also really enjoyed uh, the Mel Brooks episode. Where oh, my God, that's the best one. That's also, so fun. Uh, that one's so good. What's going he on? goes to their house. Yeah, it's like he meets with yeah. Carl Reiner first, and then he like they talk about Mel Brooks and how Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks are just like they're just friends, and they just hang out and they go to each other's houses every day. Yeah, so, like, what I loved is like you're you're in their house, no makeup. They're just like wearing, uh, you know, Velcro shoes, eating on dinner trays, mm-hmm. and constantly getting food from like the the living nurse. <laughs> It's Excellent. great. I just love that they're old friends and they're just like, they just hang out. Like, I'd love to see a whole show of just Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks just hanging out in their apartment. Yep. <laughs> like, just, I wouldn't mind that. that. Was, it would, no. So By the way, yeah. it was Mel Brooks's birthday the other day. So happy birthday, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. <laughs> um, all right. So you've been watching comedians and cars getting coffee. That, that's yes. what you've been doing. Uh, what, what's the last one I watched? Because I, I've watched most of them. I, watched, I just watched the Bill Burr one, which was very funny. Well, that, that one's funny, too. Yeah, that's a funny yeah. one. Um, and he has, there's new episodes coming out, like, in a couple weeks, which I'll... You know, I can't I'll, wait. I'll, I'll, I also I'll like mention the in that segment. of the episodes. Which one? Like, or, I'm sorry. I, I, I like the way that they name the seasons. It's yeah, different. Yeah, I like, I like how Netflix has div- divvied up the, the, the comedians and cars getting coffee. So. Yeah. Aaron, how about you? What other movies have you seen recently? Um, Let's see. Well, I saw Jurassic World last week. Uh, and? I haven't seen any... Ugh. Not for me. (laughs) Not for me. I mean, it is for me because I love that franchise. Um, I'm just more excited to see where it goes now, you know? Um, Oh, I agree. I I, I can assure you, I am so excited for whatever happens in the next one based off the ending of this one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that as a film, I don't know if I liked it as much as the first Jurassic World, um, but I don't really regard either of them too highly personally. You know, they're... They feel like cash grabs, but that's okay. Well, here's my here's my next question. If you say you love this franchise, it, does that mean the Lost World in Part Three are like these are the holy grails of the sequels in Jurassic World or Jurassic Park? No, no. I mean, I I just enjoy the property, so no matter what, mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch whatever they put out. Um, you that's know, fair. I actually re- I actually like the Lost World a lot. Um, Jurassic Park is clearly the best one. There's no you know there's no debating that, but. You know, I think it probably goes like one, two, four, five, three for me. Fair on that franchise. Uh, okay. I saw the the 2015 film Victoria the other day, Ooh, which I thought was one. incredible. That was on my top um, ten that year. That's a great movie. <clears throat> it's good. I mean, it's like it's a half star away from being a perfect film for me, just because it's a little too long. But I understand based <laughs> on the circumstances and the way that they had to make it. You know. That's the film that, Abe, that's entirely one shot. Um, Okay. They did it three times, and it basically takes place in a span of, like, a few blocks um, in a couple hours. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's set in Spain, right? It's set in Spain? 
or no, it's not. Uh, it's made no, in Germany. Germany. It's it's yeah, made it's, it's made by. It's in Munich. Yeah, but it's made. It's like it stars a Spanish actress. A probably. Spanish girl, yeah. yeah. And it was directed by Sebastian Schipper. I don't know where he's from though. And it's it eventually becomes a kind of a heist thriller, but yeah, it's a it's a great night in the life of somebody. So. Yeah, because yeah. like, when you mentioned one take, I was like, I was starting to think of. Uh... Because uh, what was that movie with Elizabeth Olsen that was supposedly one take as Silent well? House. Silent which House, which is a remake yeah. of a of a, of a Spanish film, actually. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Everything's coming up in the house today. Both of them, yes. The novelty <laughs> is that they're take they're they're shot they're made in one take. Um, I think Victoria is actually it is like a one unbroken like there's no tricks in yeah. the movie where Silent yeah, House those do no have tricks. those do have tricks, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Sure. Very difficult to do. Yeah, <laughs> very difficult. And you know what's amazing is. Um, I mean, I might be getting too technical here, but they shot it on a Canon C300 and they had just like one very simple handheld rig, the one that has a handle above the camera. And that was the whole thing. There was no steady cam, nothing. Just a dude with a tiny little rig and a C300 for two and a half hours. And it looks like really great. I mean, it's just amazing how well it's shot. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I no. always love movie knowledge like that. So keep them coming. Yeah, I, cool. I, I am a big fan of, of Victoria. I thought it was a very excellently done film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, I've just been like rewatching some stuff with uh, my girlfriend Katie that she hasn't seen. Um, we watched Chef because that's fun. I like that movie. It's like a, a good feel good one, you know. Yeah. yeah. Chef, Chef is great. That's good. Anna and I are big yeah. fans of Chef. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and we just watched The Fugitive this uh, afternoon because she had first time for her. That. What's that? Yeah, first, first time? time for her. Oh yeah. man. Got to find the man with the one with the one arm. I like to call it best picture nominee, the fugitive, just because people forget that it was a best picture nominee. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now she'll get all the references in the Simpsons. <laughs> yes, that's true. She will. All right. Um, I've seen a few things that I want to reference to. Uh, first up, Three Identical Strangers is now out in theaters. Ooh, the um, documentary. Yeah, yeah the documentary. Yeah, I saw that a few weeks ago. I think I even mentioned it a bit. But I you will say... It's excellent. It, it's good. I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite doc of the year. Um, that would be Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, but I do think mm. it's a... As I think that the less you know going in, the better. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the trailer kind of gets into the fact that there's you know triplets that were separated at birth. But there's, <clears> you know... When you say triplets separated at birth, the big question should be, wait, why were they separated to begin with, which is what the movie explores. And it does a good oh, job of... I've got my ideas. It does a good job of like presenting you somewhat of a lighthearted story at first, as far as, hey, these guys met each other, and then they became kind of a kind of a celebrity sensation in New York for a few, you know, a few months or what have you. Um, but then it kind of slowly switches gears towards what happened, and there's even elements of a conspiracy theory that kind of take place as far as, oh, there's more here and it's not exactly great as far as why these things happen um but i love it what i like is that the the twins that are within the or the sorry the triplets that are in the i always say twins for some reason <laughs> i don't say triplets enough um when you the triplets featured in the interview like the way they're telling their story it's very clear that they've like they've clearly told the story a lot so but it's yeah. neat to see them like they're so good at presenting this information and the director tim warble i believe he um he does a lot. There's especially at the beginning. There's dramatization of like what happened as far as them meeting each other and whatnot, just, which is like it's fun. It's like fun stuff to get to before it kind of changes tones. And that's ultimately why I don't think it's a great documentary as far as besides a very good one. I think mm-hmm. the tone shift is it's a little drastic, like a, enough to be like oh this kind of takes it down a bit. I still really recommend it because it's a unique okay. story, especially if you don't know it already, and it gathers all of that information quite well. I was very happy to not know much going in. I think if you know 
the basics there's kind of less to grasp onto but if you're going in wanting to hear like a unique story about these people it's like yeah that's it's good stuff and it's you know it can be emotional at times and whatnot as far as hearing from different family members and friends about things like so it's it's well done for sure it's certainly worth recommending good uh good documentary length uh 90 minutes you know yeah, yeah right. sounds get, about right get in and out yeah. <laughs> nice know? and tight yeah nice and yep. tight um <laughs> the other things i'll mention that i've watched this week uh, so i watched sorry to bother you um this uh-huh. is the upcoming Ooh. film um directed by boots riley starring lakeith so stanfield um i'm not going to talk too much about it right now because i think abe and i and whoever else will talk about it kind of later on more when abe gets a chance to see it but i will say uh-huh. yeah go see that um but I will note that the film was produced by um, Forrest Whitaker and Nina Yang Bangiabi, the, their producing partners. Um, they previously direct, uh, produced Dope together. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, they sounded very familiar. Yes, well, Forrest Whitaker, obviously, and Nina, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so I was like, okay, that's cool. That's another one of their collaborations. And I was like, what else have they like done? Um, and they did another film um, that's on Netflix right now. That's called Roxanne Roxanne, which premiered on Netflix. Uh, I heard of that a little yeah. while. Didn't in March. he produce Fruitvale Station? Too? He also yes, he did produce Fruitvale Station. That's the other one of their. Uh, collaborations which is obviously that's yeah. a, that's a fantastic film um yes we, we this podcast we know i'm a big fan of free fail station and ryan coogler um <laughs> yeah roxanne roxanne i saw that on netflix and so i watched it um this is a, this is a true story of a of a female rapper essentially uh she 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 grew up in uh in new york um she the actual rapper, her name is uh, Roxanne Chante. Her real name is Chante. She takes on the moniker of Roxanne Chante. Um, since she was like a kid, she was like winning freestyle rap battles against like the boys and all that. So she kind of grew mm. up. She grew up as like an accomp. And like the film takes place, is, revolves around her in like her high school days. Um, and it's quite good. It also stars Mahershala Ali um, and uh, Nia Long. Um, it's a nice, I think people know her as Cottonmouth. It's Cottonmouth, um, or Academy Award winner Mahershala Ali. I think they. Oh know that right, too. No, no, I love that guy. <laughs> but um, speaking of female rappers, mm-hmm. uh, Patty Cakes, yes or no? Yeah. Oh, oh no, I mean I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's it's fine. Oh. Yeah, it's I think fine. I mean, if you can, if you come, if you have like a screener, or you like, you can come across it in some way. It's you know, on it's, Prime. It's on Prime. Yeah, that's it's that's fine for Prime. Like it's not, it does nothing all that innovative, but there's certainly enough energy from the the cast. Sure. World. Um, I I heard it was uh it, it was one of my professor's favorite movies of last year. She um she produced Thirteen Going on Thirty and uh Ma uh, Henry or what Benny and June and uh-huh. a couple other things. So she's got that that sort of frame yeah, friend, of mind, friend of the show uh, mark hoban he's he had yeah, it he, on his top 10 list as well praise on it yeah, yeah. oh nice like it does cool. its job yeah, as yeah. far as like like I, there's a lot of movies like it and yeah i can see liking it more or less i, I was i was fine with it it's there you know mm-hmm. for if it's on prime okay. that's you know that's easy 90 that's another 90 minute movie that's not that hard yeah um great but yeah anyway, roxanne roxanne a solid watch i was i was happy to have seen it um and this was also on netflix and i've been wanting to watch it it's they kind of fit together because they're both about like black teens in new york essentially uh first match um this is a film it's directed by olivia newman it's based off her own short and it's about a young a young um another high school kid who um joins the boys wrestling team um and her father was a wrestler which is how she got into wrestling and it's a really solid coming of age movie like i i think it's really good um, the, the father is played by um, Yahya, Yahya Abdul Mateen. He was in The Get Down, which was on Netflix, the Baz Luhrmann uh, series, and he's also going to be the villain in the upcoming Aquaman. He's uh, mm. uh, um, the Baz Luhrmann joint. Yeah, the Baz Luhrmann joint. He's a Black Manta in Aquaman, but he's he's very good in the film. 
um, the, the the young actress that plays the uh, Mo, the main girl in the film, uh, Elvira Emanuel, she's quite good as well. Uh, Coleman Domingo, who's a great stage actor, he's also on Fear of the Walking Dead, and um, he was in I think he was in The Birth of the Nation. Um, he's the co- he's oh the, okay he's the wrestling coach. He's very good as well. It's just it's a really good coming of age story um, that I was, I was happy to watch, and which is and they're both like now we're forty. They're both they're they're on Netflix, so they're solid recommendations. I would say so. Easy breezy. Yeah. Hey, can I know this is like a few minutes behind, but can I ask you guys a know each other question? Sure. Yeah. Cool. What's your favorite season of The Wire? <laughs> Ooh, that's <laughs> a good question. I I kind of default to the first season because that's where everything is set up, um, mm-hmm. and you and you really get to you really get an understanding that nobody is really the hero of the story. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, and so I, I always like that one, but the the one that's the most depressing is obviously like season four where the, <laughs> the school kids. Yeah, yeah. I like three yeah. a lot. I think three is a really yep. solid season. I, I I like not my favorite, but I like two more than most people seem to. Um, I don't I don't mind two grows on you. all the mind, shipping yard. Yeah, stuff, I don't yeah. mind Ziggy and all that. Like I think I, I, I mean the wire. Like Abe, Abe will say, it's the, like the best show of all time. And it's I the best show that's ever been made. And it's certainly one that I, I rank very I high. I tend to agree. I, Thank I'm you, re-watching Ed. it right now with my girlfriend, and she's watching it for the first time. So it's very yeah. much on my mind. It's Yeah, it's certainly a great show. Uh, it ranks yes. very high. I put it in like some kind of list. <laughs> like I wouldn't forget <laughs> it, that's for sure. It's an easy it's an easy go-to when you say, like, what are the best dramas of all time? You're like, yeah, well, The Wire's one of them, that's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably lean on three. Force. I mean, yeah. There's, there's. To me, there's no bad season of The Wire, but I mean, it would. Yeah. It's easier for me to rank one, three, and four higher than two and five, but you know, yes. those those aren't bad seasons either. So. Yes, yes, I would tend to agree. I think, I think my gut goes towards three. That's what. Cool. All right. But the the Barksdales and the Stringer and all that. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. It all happens. Mm-hmm. And that and Marlo is you know starting out in three too. Uh-huh. He wants his corners. Yep. Mm-hmm. Glad we got back to some wire talk. That was our wirecast episode. Um, getting a lot of the other shows in here this week, Abe. I know, I know. The, the listeners, they're obviously all caught up on our, our previous shows. You know, Griffey Chat and um, and uh, Health Tips with Aaron and Abe. Like, but it's yeah, nice, it's nice to do some water. recaps on our, our previous thoughts on those other shows that everyone already listens to. We um, like to give you uh, some everything. Yeah. Well, that's it. I'll be on your wirecaster show. <laughs> Watch us start this. Watch us start a Wirecast show where we go over every episode of The Wire. <laughs> In full detail. In full detail. That's that's a good 50 episodes right there. <laughs> so we can put that mm-hmm. together. But yeah, okay, that's enough quickies. Yep. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's get to our trailer talk. We've got a couple new tra- trailers to talk this week. This is where we talk about some new trailers, what we thought of them, when they're coming out, what have you. And um, in honor of Sicario, we figured, why not talk about the other like d- dark movies that are coming out in, uh, recent, in coming months? So first up, we're going to start with uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. This is an upcoming crime mystery noir um, directed and written by Drew Goddard of uh, Cabin in the Woods fame, among other, uh, other credits. Um, the film stars... A bunch of people: Jeff Bridges, John Hamm, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Dakota Johnson, Nick Offerman. Uh, yeah, so you got you got a you got a, a number of people here. It's from what I can tell, it seems to involve a hotel that is on the line between. Wait, where is it? It's uh, California, California and Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. Um, uh, and a number of strangers all seem to enter this hotel, and th- shady things are happening that we're not quite aware of. Uh, I'll start with Aaron. What do you think of this trailer? Uh, looks bonkers. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it, it, I think it's going to be a period piece of some sort, like 
the unless the hotel just has that decor, I think this might take place not in the present day. Um, but I'm excited to count me in. You know, look look at that cast, look at that director. Trailer just kind of leads to confusion and excitement and and some stuff that just like doesn't really make sense at all. So I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Ape. You had me at Drew Goddard, and Drew Goddard, like what you mentioned, he, he uh, made Cabin in the Woods, and Cabin in the Woods is like super meta and very fun, um, although I guess that may be a contentious thing to say, because some people think that it's just really bad, but I had a lot of fun with it. Um, as far as like the trailer goes, I think that the trailer, it does present itself as this kind of mysterious, I guess, vehicle, and, and uh, you and I were talking about this off-air, just more like, I, I've seen the trailer maybe three times now and and i it's the same trailer but i i keep wanting to peer away just because i i don't want to like try and piece any clues together um because they do reveal that there's kind of like this mystery or some some yeah. some something going on and so uh, again the there's more that crime, i watch it the more i'm murder, just like exactly yeah you know robberies apparently <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool stuff that's going on a lot of great actors in it um and uh again as far as you goddard goes i think that there's probably going to be some really funny elements to it as well so i'm excited for this yeah i I no doubt think there will be some dark humor to go along with the whatever mystery is taking place i i think this is an excellent trailer um i told you i think this is this trailer and the widow's trailer honestly have been ones that i've watched a lot (laughs) just because i think they're so excellently edited together to kind of make you intrigued by what's taking place without spoiling much of the film. It just gives you exactly what you need. I wouldn't mind never seeing another piece of footage from this again until I see this movie. And I, I kind of hope that I can avoid that, even if, you know, we'll get eventually like a story trailer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but thank I, goodness, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many times, how, like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that Mission Impossible trailer mm-hmm. and how clear the entire film is to me just from, like, casually observing things in the background you know like, yeah yeah because i've seen it 15 times that's why that's why i, I do look away for that one <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah though this one i'm yeah i'm very excited about this movie i think drew goddard is a great talent um i mean he yeah. i like if the trailer credits him it, it doesn't credit him it says from the writer of the martian and the director of cabin in the woods as if it's two different people um but, <laughs> but regardless i i am a fan of goddard they're I going for they're 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 casting that net out really wide yeah they are <laughs> those are two different audiences well what is it the um Oh god, what is it? The trailer for um like uh, the Darkest Minds or whatever. It's like from the like the producer of Stranger Things and Arrival. It's like, oh wow, you got a big demographic you're going for. Oh, for Kim. <laughs> yeah, for Kim. I thought it was like from from a producer of Stranger Things or something like that. It's, it's no, it's, yeah, it's, it says it's, from a producer of Stranger Things and okay. Arrival. Like, it's right, it's yeah, both right. of the because yeah. it's the same producer. I of a different movie or something like that. I, I, like... I get it, but it's like. Okay, you're you're going for hey, an audience, that's for sure. That movie looks cool. I saw that trailer in front of. Star I don't mind what I'm seeing there, see as far movie. as that kind yeah. of movie goes. And it's from the director of Kung Fu Panda. It's from the director of Kung Fu Panda too. I got some faith. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, that's kind of that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what's her name? Jen, Jennifer Lee, I believe. Yeah, um, she also directed the third one too, right? What? Didn't she direct Kung Fu Panda 3 I think she's a co-director on the third one. I think it was okay. a solo thing on the on, on two. Regardless, uh, Drew Goddard, I'm a big fan of. I and I, I was like, why hasn't he directed it? I was like, yeah, because he's been writing a bunch of stuff. He wrote The Martian. He did. He helped on World War Z. Uh, he he, um, he was involved with, with like the like before 
the Spider-Man thing fell apart at Sony as far as like all those different movies they were going for. He was going to do like the Sinister Six movie and all this. So it's like, yeah, right, he's, yeah, he's been working on, and he like did the first season of Daredevil. Or the he second, did Daredevil. He did yeah. one of the seasons of Daredevil. Um, yeah. So it's like, okay, he's been he's certainly been working. So it's like, oh yeah, now he gets to direct another movie again. And I'm excited for that because I really like having the woods as well. So yeah, I look forward to uh, Bad Times at El Royale. It opens, uh, what is it, uh, October 12th um, this fall. So there's that. So we want to do our next trailer, which is for The Girl in the Spider's Web. Um, this is a adaptation of, I believe, one of the, I think it's like the fourth book in that novel. It's like one of the novels after... Is it the fourth? It's okay. the fourth book, yeah. yeah. He didn't finish it. It was finished by someone else. Yeah, it's the 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 Stieg Larsson. He he passed away. It's not yeah. one of the original trilogy, the what the Millennium Trilogy, It's but it's still within yes. that series uh, with right. Lisbeth Salander. Uh, and, and, and Blomquist, too. And Blomquist, yeah. Um, but yeah, this new, so, so they're breaking off of like the girl with the dragon tattoo, like that whole series. They're not doing like the, because there's two sequels to that story. So they're okay. not doing that one. They're doing the, another one that's kind of, I guess, yeah. dis- disconnected from that beyond having the characters. And this time we have Fede Alvarez directing who did evil dead and don't breathe. And it's, um, written by Stephen Knight, which intrigues me because I'm a big Stephen Knight yep. fan. And it stars, it stars the crown's Claire Foy this time as Elizabeth Salander. Uh, mm-hmm. replacing a uh, Rini Mara. Um, so with all that said, hey, let's start with you. What do you think of this trailer? I was getting a lot of, like, Batman vibes, like Vigilante kind of, like, doing things kind of vibe. I didn't know that it was not a part of the original series because I was thinking to myself, well, they've, they've taken the... I know that there were kind of, like, there were... I can't remember how the girl the dragon tattoo did fared. In it the, did. In it the did enough office. to be like, hey, we can still make these, but we okay. don't need to do it right away. And that's clearly right, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, by the way, Rudy Mara still looks the same. I'm pretty sure Daniel Craig still looks the same. So I, that's why I was like, oh, maybe they were just gonna reboot everything. But if this is not even part of that series, um, then I'm curious as to whether I could follow it if I don't know the books or if I haven't seen Girl the Dragon. No, in a you, long time. you're definitely going to be able to. They're calling it a soft reboot. So a soft reboot. Okay. Yeah. So they're basically going to reintroduce the characters and and you know make it clear. Give some backstory. And, yeah. Yeah. But as as far as the trailer goes. And I've seen Girl the Dragon Tattoo. There's a lot of sexual references and, you know, um, I guess empowerment stuff, too. Uh, but you mentioned Fetty Alvarez, and he's done some things that I have liked. Uh, and then Stephen Knight. Is it Stephen S. Knight? No, no. that's no, that's that's the, that's actually the first season of Daredevil in Spartacus. That's Stephen <laughs> and, and Pacific Rim, the new Pacific Rim movie. That's it. Okay. But yeah, Stephen Knight, I mean, he's done some stuff that uh, I have also... Stephen Knight is like Locke and Taboo and... Um, Eastern Promises and... So, uh, yeah, yes. a lot of like, a lot of like darker things. things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm interested in it, but I obviously, I think given the girl, the, the one with the red coat, it kind of just, I mean, it, it reminded me honestly of... Uh, Whatever movie with the snowman with Michael Michael Fassbender. The snowman. Like, <laughs> the snowman. Yeah, I guess. It's oh, like, you why didn't you save you saved everybody, but you couldn't save me, kind of thing. And that part was just throwing me off. But we'll see how it goes. I, I again, I'm I wasn't a huge fan of the series in general, just because you know everyone see, it seemed like a popular thing to get into that I just never got into. But uh, I'm I'm sure that I'll see it. Aaron, how about you? Um, well, I have not read the books i've seen the three swedish films uh i thought fincher's was okay um there were 
some scenes that he directly shot for shot remade from the Swedish film, which I think is an interesting choice for a guy like David Fincher. Um, but this trailer, it, it definitely hooked me. Um, but I just think it's funny that they've turned Lisbeth Salander into like a superhero. Yeah. Like, <laughs> are you, are you Batman? It's like, yeah, right. you're totally right about that. Like, are you the writer of wrongs? I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe you're going a little overboard here. But again, Fede Alvarez makes good stuff. You got Scott Rudin and Amy Pascal producing this thing. So, you know, that's not a bad thing either. I mean, they're setting it up to make more and I, I don't see why... It's going to do bad. It has Lakeith Stanfield in it. True. That actually really intrigued me when I saw his uh, his face show up on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I'm interested to see how they make viewers like me who have seen all of it and know the backstory, you know, like fit comfortably into this new mold. We'll see, you know, if the, if the movie has the feel of the other ones because... It had a very. They all had very specific tones, and I think Fincher maybe went a little too far in one particular direction because, you know, some of the rape scenes and things like that in his cut were pretty aggressive. Um, certainly yeah. more intense and like disturbing than anything in the Swedish films. Um, but you know, it's a it's a fun mystery. I'm always I'm always interested in those kinds of things, especially if they're. They don't spoil stuff in the trailer. And this one, I don't know. It kind of spoiled stuff, but I guess they're leaving enough to uh, let you ruminate about for the next couple months. Hmm. I'll um, I'll say I think this is a bad trailer, and I'll get back to that. Um, I, I remember <laughs> the, the, the Fincher Dragon Tattoo, and I've seen, yeah, I've seen the, the three Swedish films, and I saw Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I saw that with a friend of the show, Adam Gentry. And I remember our thoughts on, this, on Fincher's film that we saw – was um well it's fine it does the job um as far as like okay you got the actors and it's a fincher film so it obviously like looks good and everything but it's like it wasn't as good as the original swedish film that said we're like it's an hour and like 45 or two hours and 45 minutes and it flew by like it's a great it's a greatly edited film and sure enough it went on to win an oscar for best editing so it's like well they did that right like it had that going for it so that was i I thought that was neat it was like he tends to get those right i mean he he has a lot of lengthy films and they usually don't feel long yeah so it's like that's one where i kind of had the same regard as i had for like tim burton's alice in wonderland where it's like it seems like it's so obvious that you would get david fincher to do the american version and here they do when they get david fincher to do the american version it's like a film so directly influenced by like seven and things like that and then you go and get mm-hmm. the actual guy that influenced the swedish version to make the american version there's like a weird like mind bender going on as far as that goes so now right. i have a new one and i like i like the beginning of this trailer where it shows her being like this vigilante type character and I kind of wish that was the whole trailer. I wish that was like just like a good teaser right there. Sets it up, sets up who the character is. And what like a scene from of. the film. Yeah, just exactly mm-hmm. that, that kind of trailer, which I generally like. I like when it's like an out-of-context scene from the film that gives you all you kind of need to know about who's in it. Um, and then it keeps going, and I was like, all right, it, yeah, I get what you're doing. You're establishing that this is like a thing that's going to happen or whatever. And it's just I don't think it's really – it doesn't really execute much to get me more excited by this. At the already, I'm like, yeah, all right, they're doing another one of these. Sure, I'll probably see it. Like, that's yeah, kind of where I'm at. That's pretty much where I'm at too. Yeah, to be I, honest with you, I mean, I, I'm I'm hooked enough. You know, the the longer it goes, it's like, okay, you're telling me stuff that I really don't want to know right now. Like, mm-hmm. save it for the movie. Yeah, and I've <laughs> like I said, I've seen the movies, and I, I'm not. 
I've read like these. I read the second book of all the books. I read the only the second book. Um, <laughs> That's right. You just were like, oh, I, yeah, I saw the first Swedish movie, and then there were the two other movies. And I was like, oh, I'll try to read one of these books before I see the second movie. And I was like, and I got, I got through. It's like, okay. And then I saw the movies. Um, but regardless, this one, I think what's the biggest thing for me is that Fede Alvarez is doing this, and it's like, and it's still Sony, so it's like clearly they saw like Don't Breathe, and they're like, let's give this guy another movie, and it's like, all right, let's see where that goes. <laughs> and I think the biggest thing is that because I assume that there's a lot of violent content in these movies, you can't show much, especially from someone like Fede Alvarez who probably goes overboard on the violence as he does in his movies. So I think that's why the trailer just feels a little plain to me. You can't really deliver on much of the. Mm-hmm. extreme extremeness that this will probably feature in it in that capacity sure. there's yeah, like there's like one shot where she has to like jump into a bathtub before like an explosion goes off and it's like all right i expect cool stuff like that to happen so <laughs> i'm in a wait and see mode as far as anticipation level but i hold out some level of hope because i like the director i, I as you mentioned yeah scott rudin amy pascal were on board on this Stephen knight wrote it so it's like well they got a lot of good people involved i mean so yeah, yeah so yeah um Girl with the girl. No Stellan Skarsgård to give away who the killer is. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. The cast is actually more, <laughs> more Ambiguous. Scandinavian this time yeah. around, so it seems less obvious. Even though, I mean, you have one character <laughs> dressed in red. That's like one of my favorite things that we agreed on when we watched that movie. We were like, oh, you know, Stellan Skarsgård showed up on the screen. It's like he's probably the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. It could only be him because it's like Daniel Craig. And then, it, uh, it's not Christopher right, Plummer, so it's probably yeah, exactly the creepy Scandinavian guy. It's always the creepy <laughs> Scandinavian. But yeah, uh, girl in the spider's web opens the theaters uh, November 9th. Uh, so there we go. All right, with that out of the way, let's get to it, guys. Let's let's get to our main film of the week, which is Sicario: colon, Day of the Soldado. It's a nice day for a drive, huh? Oh, beautiful day. Blue sky, large caliber weapons. I love getting out of the office. Take him out! Ooh, you're gonna need stitches. Lucky for me, I'll still need them tomorrow. Next week, the president's adding drug cartels to the list of terrorist organizations. You want to see this thing through? I'm gonna have to get dirty. You're gonna help us start a war. With who? Everyone. That should have been some of the trailer for Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Sicario was a moderate hit in 2015, in addition to being a well-reviewed thriller, further cementing the abilities of director Denis Villeneuve and writer Taylor Sheridan. Uh, now we have the sequel, which loses Villeneuve, along with Emily Blunt, uh, composer Johan Johansson, and uh, Roger Deakins, but still holds on to Sheridan, Del Toro, and Brolin. Uh, the well, the fil- world lost Johan yeah, Johansson. Yes, he did. He, he did pass away. Um, but it's picked up by a Hilder... Hilder (laughs) (laughs) good job we just lost all our Scandinavian listeners regardless this film centers on the efforts of Brolin's Matt Graver to start a war between drug cartels following a bombing in America handled by men that have come across the border this means staging a kidnapping and bringing Del Toro's Alejandro to go to certain extremes this all works out until it doesn't Aaron where were you on uh, Sicario briefly and what did you think of this film um, I enjoyed the original Sicario. I think that uh, it has problems, but I was impressed by the music. I was impressed by the cinematography, um, the editing. It, it managed to create tension very well. Uh, but I did feel like Daniel Kaluuya's character was underutilized and not totally necessary. Um, Emily Blunt's character was very passive 
So, you know, not without my qualms, but I, I did enjoy it a lot. It, it was refreshing for the year. Uh, I think that what had come out that year wasn't particularly as interesting as this was. But yeah, as far as this uh, sequel goes, um, I enjoyed it. I saw it this morning. I don't think it was as good as the original, um, and, and I don't think it's because you know, Emily Blunt's not in it or anything like that. I think it's more because the film just feels kind of flimsy script wise. Um, you know, you've got, you've got one thread, um, which is the Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro storyline and what they're trying to do with the cartel. And, and then you've got this other storyline that eventually leads its way in. And that just feels kind of ham fisted until it's a, you know, an important part of the story. And I just felt like it didn't have focus in the way that the original film did. Perhaps it is uh, the fault of the direction because, you know, technically the cinematography is great. I enjoyed the score a lot. I think it was a well-edited film. Um, But there's just something missing on the script side of things for me. There was nothing that really drew me in. Um, Some things were a little too unbelievable for me, and I won't get into that because that's a spoiler but (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i i guess what did i give it three out of five you know Mm. like not not terrible not great i would say it's one of those catch it on hbo for free movies oh wow okay um not necessary to go out and see it in a theater i mean you know Theaters always enhance the viewing experience, so right. if you're interested, of course, go see it. But it's not like, oh, sweet Moses, go rush out to the theater and see Sicario 2. Mm-hmm. All right. Abe, how about you? So as far as the first Sicario goes, I was a big fan of it as well. But much like Aaron Fink had noted, there were problems that I had, namely with almost everything that you mentioned. Uh, the characters um, maybe being underutilized, but also at the same time being overly... Uh, your vehicle. Um, what I really liked about it, and what I remember kind of talking about on the review, was I liked the gray areas of not just you know Alejandro as the Sicario hitman kind of thing, but also the role of the U.S. government being or doing what it has to do to you know uh, either stop or start this drug cartel. I, I really like that that kind of um, the role that Josh Brolin has uh, in this, I guess, the CIA. But um, as far as this one goes. Uh, I, I don't really deviate as much uh, from Aaron Fink, but I also do deviate because as far as the plot goes, I liked the first, I think, third, maybe like even the first half. And then I think that the second half kind of gets into what I thought it was going to be, which is a little bit more of like a uh, you know run and gun kind of movie, uh, which I think is unfortunate because I think the first half actually kind of presents some interesting questions that I was actually really getting nervous about. It kind of reminded me of, of mm-hmm. things like Zero Dark Thirty or whatever the case is, where we carry out some of these assassination attempts, um, or we have to create this this uh, ruckus to get something in our favor. Um, because they set it up with a very particular thing, which Aaron kind of mentioned, Aaron Newworth kind of mentioned early on. And unfortunately, that actually goes away literally with the stroke of a line. Like that... Yeah. Some character says uh, the conclusion to that problem in the second half of the movie, and it's really a waste of, uh, I guess, a really good setup. Um, because as far as everything else goes, I think that the music was okay. I didn't, I didn't really grasp to it like I did uh, Johan Johansson's, probably because 
uh, it seemed like they were just recycling the same the same 15, 30 second bit over and over again. The sure, cinematography was, was actually was, Hilder's first score. It was it was actually uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah he probably composed most of it. I think that they gave credit to Johansson. Probably just to maybe just once. Uh, well, Johansson yeah, has. I mean, they they use a way. track from this the original film at the end of okay. the movie for this movie. So but, if that's the case, then I just didn't like the score as much as I I, I liked Johansson's score. Um, the cinematography I thought was was okay. I mean, it's competent, but I don't think it. I mean, it, it's obviously nowhere near Deacon's style because uh, mm-hmm. Deacon's loves to hold the shots and does like these beautiful wide shots. I think this one's a little bit more, um, I guess, regular. Standard. Yeah, Tobias Wolski is like an accomplished cinematographer too. No, he's, 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 I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that. I didn't say that. It was, I, I'm not saying that it's like it's awful, but it just I definitely could tell the difference. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't. He's he's great. I mean, he makes good movies. He shoots good movies, but he doesn't have a point of view like Roger Deakins does. Right, like, I you can know, agree he with shoots, that. I mean, he's he, but he's he like, shoots Ridley really Scott movies. Yeah, he's really Ridley Scott's Scott guy, and it feels thing. a lot yeah. more like a Ridley really Scott movie, I would say, as far as how it looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So essentially, it's 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 got interesting ideas in the first half, and then it just unfortunately sips away because I think that the more that you learn about Alejandro and the more that you kind of learn about what they're trying to do and and how it kind of gets out of hand, um, it never really weaves everything together. Um, yeah. Because there's another there's another like subplot involving like the war at home kind of thing um, with like American born children kind of thing, and it's like you know that's. Interesting, but it's never really fully developed so that it envelopes together, like meshes really neatly. I disagree together. there. I think it. I mean, it does the same there, thing that the corrupt. It does the it does the same thing that the corrupt cop thing does in the first film, as far as there's a whole different no, 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 storyline yeah, yeah. and, and that, that we too. keep chiming into, too. and then there's one specific reason why we needed to chime into this. Like I, no, and I get I get that too. I think that what I'm more so getting at is just the end of the movie, and just like you know, there's. I think that there there's a way that it could that could be handled in a separate manner. So, on the whole, I I think that it's it's okay. I mean, it's an interesting mm-hmm. sequel because I, it's it it actually works that there's that they don't even remind you of what happened in the first one. There's no like references to Emily Blunt or whatever the case is. It's just yeah them. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of doing their own thing. So it actually could technically work as its own standalone movie. Is is kind sure. of the neat thing about it. You know, there's a bromance element to it, too, that I forgot to mention. A bromance element? There is a bromance Yeah. There's, you know, like, a little bit of an old-school 80s movie kind of bromance. Like, all, <laughs> like Heat. You know, Heat's an underrated bromance film. As a bromance I mean, film, yes, I can see. I was going to be like, is it an underrated bromance? I feel like it's, it's properly rated. No, it's an underrated bromance well, no. film. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, a properly like, rated movie. It's a properly movie, rated film. But... <laughs> People don't think of it as a bromance, but man, they hold hands. No, when they, they have that coffee in the, in, the, in the diner, I'm just like, yeah. this is totally a bromance movie. Yeah, yeah. I All feel right. like I got some of those vibes with this. That's that's why I bring it up. You know, like, you can you can see the sadness in Brolin's eyes when a certain thing happens. Let's just put it that way. I, I was a big fan of Sicario as well. I think it, from a technical standpoint, it was pretty excellent uh, across the board. I watched it again recently. I forgot, actually forgot how much Daniel Kaluuya is in that movie. I mean, you mentioned how he's kind of underutilized. I forgot he's in it so much. Um, yeah, well, he well, that's well he's asking the right questions the that Emily yeah, Blunt is like, well, yeah, yeah, they're two. They're they're one character that's separated right, into. Yep. I, I I believe yeah. that it's just more like. Having seen Get Out so many times now, it's like, oh yeah, he's in this film like a lot. He's not just like there for like the beginning. Like he's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's at the end and everything too. Regardless, um, I did like that. I was a fan of that film. 
I think it did a lot of things really well, especially as far as how it looks and what Villeneuve is able to kind of accomplish under his direction. Uh, but I, I think it's also a reminder to me that Sheridan gets a lot of credit for him for being, you know, a, a solid writer. And I think that's a movie that continues to emphasize how I think his scripts are only serviced by great direction. Because <laughs> um, I think Heller that's Highwater. That's you bring it up. I agree. I think Heller Highwater. I think that's probably his best script, but I also think the direction really helps that film and the performances really help that film as well. Where I think Wind River, I was not a fan of compared to what seems like the world. And I think it's because he was left to his own devices uh, compared to having a great director to work off of. Um, mm-hmm. And this film, I think, follows suit. Uh, no offense to director Stefano Salimo, uh, Salimo but I, I think the, the direction here, I think, is solid as far as it presents me something that I can follow along with. It's tense mm-hmm. when it needs to be. It looks solid. It mm-hmm. looks good. Um, not this, to the same like extent that the Villeneuve film does, but I think it's it's a right. it's a well made movie that functions the way it needs to. But I think the script is kind of terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I think it does things that seem to misunderstand the characters I saw the first time around. Um, mm-hmm. I think the it's weirdly timely in a way that made me feel uncomfortable, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mentioning was, the president. And, and, yeah, and, like, yeah, you're right. And also like, mentioning well, a few things that are very in the zeitgeist right now. Well, I mean, yeah. even beyond that, I mean, I saw, so I saw this one with my dad and he joked um, afterwards that this is like, this is Trump's favorite movie just because the beginning of this yep. movie is like, various scary brown people from other countries come to invade our borders and do terrible right. things. And it's like, what audience are we trying to sell this movie to right now? Um, and so it took me a bit to kind of get with the movie after that. Cause like, is this what we're going for? Cause it feels like, Hey, if you mentioned the shades of gray for Sicario, this feels like it's not really trafficking that as much. It feels like mm-hmm. it's making more of a, no way. Of yeah. a direct <laughs> stance, like... but then it kind of, it doubles back on it, but it does it so kind of late in the game in a way where I don't think the kind of, I don't think certain audiences that see this are going to get the fact that it doesn't really stand for certain things, which yeah. also yeah, well, alarms the me. First 20, uh, the first 20 minutes, it's like, you know, yeah, we're giving you a free pass. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's start a war. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's ugly in a way that just kind of maybe really hesitate and sigh <laughs> as far as what kind of movies being sold here in the same way like that the Bruce Willis death wish made me sigh where it's like yeah you have a greater message that you're trying to tell but you're doing it by playing ACDC and making it look really cool that he's being this vigilante which is not what death wish is to me <laughs> as much as Eli Roth wants to say like I'm saying everything I need to in the frames alone. He's like, I think you could say a bit more <laughs> to really make it clear. Um, <laughs> but, so that that out of the way, I do think there's a good movie here overall, which I was kind of surprised with myself by. It's like, well, I did like what I was seeing because I think Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin are quite good here. Um, yeah. It's not a surprise because they're good actors. So, yeah, they should mm-hmm. be good here. I also think um, Isabella Moner, who plays like the daughter that gets kidnapped, I think she holds her own in this film. Um, yeah, I sure. think she has. You might, good... you might remember from Transformers. She's in Transformers, yeah, the movie that advertised her as being the lead character and then forgot about her halfway through. Because um, movie... Mark Wahlberg is in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um, I think she. I mean, they introduce her well, and she she has to be with Benicio del Toro for a good chunk of time, and she does a good job. Like it it, it works sure. to kind of involve her in a way that doesn't just feel like, well, it's a sequel, so let's have an annoying kid now, as most sequels seem to do. This is like, oh no, we're actually kind of incorporating her in a way that feels decently utilized um the yeah it's i guess we'll we'll kind of get into it more i guess we'll kind of open up the conversation but i do i do think the i mean for what it's for being a sequel to a film that i didn't necessarily see needing a sequel it's like okay this is 
competent enough. I just think the from a story standpoint, it has a it has a lot of issues that I think kind of get resolved over time. Um, and then it takes some interesting turns in the second half that Abe you were mentioning, where I I was kind of on board with it just because of like I like the I like how linear things are becoming right now as far as there's a very clear goal. It means uh-huh. it means I have to reject things I know about a character that previously murdered a whole family out of <laughs> vengeance. Um, yeah, and Catherine, yeah. I think Catherine Kander gets no justice either because she's like she gets the she, short. Well, she starts the movie shirt. as I'm going to be tough as balls. You better listen to what I say. And by the way, don't worry about rules. Uh, everything's off off the books. Whatever, go for it. Kill, kill, kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she like one thing happens. She's like, guys. I don't know what you're thinking here. We got to put this back on the books immediately. This was wrong. like it's like she flips right. really for being for being such a hard ass that she's trying to portray. She flips immediately, and only because the like Matthew Modine of all people is like the guy that's is like huh. <laughs> I I'm not a big Matthew Modine. First fan of all, he's stealing children in Stranger Things, and now he's like starting Secret Wars. I think Matthew Modine is kind of terrible in most things, so it's like all right, you're properly playing a spineless character in this movie, but like the way you show up and can somehow like tough talk Catherine Keener's character just kind of bothered me a lot, also. But uh, regardless, <laughs> in spite of all these problems, I do think the movie is more enjoyable than I kind of expected it to be. So that's why I kind of give it a pass. That's interesting about the enjoyability part. I mean, I, I think that it's uh, I think that there are some really good, uh, I guess, tense moments. And, and well, there's yeah, actually I mean, some enjoy... that I really want to happen. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I agree with you that there's <laughs> some characters that are introduced that are never heard from again or rarely seen on the screen that it kind of just. It ruins the flow from the beginning. And what's interesting is actually when I was sitting there reading the credits, I was like, oh, Tyler Sheridan wrote this. And then I looked up the first one. Was, oh, he wor- he wrote the first one, too. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, why do they feel so different? They're, they feel vastly yeah. different. Well, so it's, it's because weird. the first one had a very clear goal, and it was, like, about something. And this one tried to be about something, like you guys said, and then just kind of stopped being about that for the sake of the plot so that other things could happen. And we yeah. could come to like that climax that we came to, you know, like it, this is more of a like, OK, we need a sequel now. Whereas the first one was like, I want to make a movie that tackles this subject. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can just feel it. I will say this one, similar to Fallen Kingdom, has me more excited about what's going to happen in the next Sicario so, movie. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. no spoilers, but there was a, a scene later in the movie uh, where something happens and, and the audience just started laughing and I also started laughing too. It's because it was like, you know, this is a, a big turn of events for uh, for one character that we were kind of been following. So, yeah, so you, I know what you're referencing. You, la- think, wait, and, you, and, la- you laughed you laughed at the first part of that spoiler thing or the second part of the spoiler thing? We, la- I, we laughed at the first part and then the second part happened, and I was like, "This is getting a little bit ridiculous." I, I personally, yeah, I laughed at the, I laughed at the second part. The first part, I was like, "Are you serious right now?" <laughs> no, see, no, really no, no, no the, the first part though, I was thinking, "Wow, this actually took a turn I really like because I don't know <laughs> what we're gonna try to do here at this point if this is the direction we're taking." And then it kind right. of was like, "Oh yeah, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're keep we're gonna keep going." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never mind. Which, which, and, and, NVM. Right. Um. I want to ask you guys about, uh, uh, I guess, so in the first Sicario, Emily Blunt, again, is our avatar, and she's kind of like a moral compass kind of thing, and this one's kind and of advertising. Hair, like, well, so. you know, there's no moral compass anymore. Did you guys get a sense of 
a lack of a moral compass or did it kind of just go by the wayside kind of like how we discuss some other plot points did? It's more that I wish uh, the film was better written to justify the lack of a character that we you know, have to follow along that has that kind of representation where uh-huh. we're already in this yeah. world. So it's like, okay, I don't need to be reintroduced to this world by another character. That's like a newbie on the squad or whatever. I'm happy yeah. to stick in the darkness of this world, but just give me a story that I want to care about as far as exploring the terrain, like, like, like what you're saying, Aaron, as far as mm-hmm. the, that movie had something it wanted to go into. And this one feels less so. And the problem with that is in order to get you to follow along with a character, you have to go, it basically it has to warp Alejandro in a way where it's like, is he is he really this guy now? Like, is he the guy that's gonna take right. care of the kid? Well, the film the film forces you to relate to Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro, and as you said, mm-hmm. their characters change from what they were in the original film in order to accommodate that. And yeah. I think overall it works. Uh, you know, like I didn't sit in the theater and think, man, I have no one to connect with. Um, but that being said. It's much. It was much easier to connect with Emily Blunt in the first film than it was with either of the two of them in this one. Um, you know, I still was engaged, and when Benicio goes off on his own little jaunt, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was I was in, invested in that, and I, you know, you can already tell he's going off alone with someone. You know, he's not going to do the kind of stuff that he would have done or that he did do in the previous film. Um, it's just clear, like, you know, it's clear by the way he's behaving, whether or not that is how he might or might not really behave. So mm-hmm. sure. if, to the, to the person who's really looking for those kinds of changes, um, you know, who's judging the film as critically as we are, it does bump a little bit, but I don't think that it's enough of a change where people are going to, you know, the average viewer is going to be taken aback because there is a likability to both of those guys in the original film, even though they're not good guys per se. You know, sure. I mean, what Benicio is doing mm-hmm. is not morally right, but it feels right because we know, you know, that guy is a bad guy. Maybe it's killing poetic family. justice. It's certainly yeah, it's a credit exactly. to the actors. I mean, Brolin and De- they, they know how to deliver this kind of thing, especially Del Toro. He's a guy that. He's the kind of guy that will like rip pages out of a script to be like, I don't need to say anything. I'll just do it with my eyes. Like that's kind of his thing in a lot. Like of, that like, wink in uh, traffic. In traffic, or like way of the gun. There was a lot of like less is more type acting he has to do there, right. where he just speaks a lot. Like I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, you know way of the gun. I know that you movies. are. And yeah. in, the, in the commentary, <laughs> in the commentary, uh, Christopher McQuarrie talks about how Benicio is like, I don't need to say like a lot of this. Just let me like look in a way, and I can like get through it. And it's like less is more. That was his big motto. Yeah. It's like, and he he's doing that here. Like I see that as far as he doesn't need to say he's a little more chatty because he's like the focal point of this movie this time around but like the 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 reason i can i can say this is a it's a good enough movie to recommend is because i think these guys are good enough to handle this kind of material and i think brolin does a good job too as far as he still has to play this kind of enigmatic figure that's you know wearing flip flops and everything, but also like he's a hard ass. Crocs, it's like Crocs. This, yeah, this, this, this Crocs time it's Crocs. Yeah, this time it's Crocs. Yeah. He, he was in Africa. It's tougher. That was that was unbelievable. When I saw it was Crocs, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy. Product was, placement. But like him and like <laughs> him and him and Benicio, but also him and Jeffrey Donovan. I think that I, I'm glad they got him. Back. Burn notice. Uh, yeah, Burn Notice is yep. Jeffrey Donovan, who kind of like no, I just call him Burn Notice. Just call him Burn Notice. <laughs> he just kind of he just kind of slips away in the first movie. I because I watched it again, I was like he just kind of disappears in that movie, and then he's like, oh, he's well, back here, I mean, so the that's good. Tara Squad kind of disappears, and it's just Brolin and and uh, Del Toro at the end with Blunt. 
Well, no, it's also like a whole other like Merc team that they that go into like the tunnels and all that. Yeah, so it's like, right. all right, they just got rid of like all the fun people and they got like this super <laughs> mod, like they got the expendables to join them for this last mission instead. Right. <laughs> with less um, one liners. I I want to I want to get back to the point that you were making about with uh, New Earth. You were making about Del Toro and how this one kind of turns it in a way that you, I guess you kind of have to sympathize with him. Or the character switch is a little bit, I guess, unnatural. I don't know if that's yeah. the term that you no, use. No, I mean, unnatural but, is a way I'd kind of frame it. I but think it, you can but, justify it, I guess. You but. could justify it because he turns into like a hitman with a heart of gold kind of thing. But in the first one, he was a little bit more mysterious, right? You kind of felt for him at the end there when he's explaining himself to Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like like what we've all discussed, he, he does some well, yeah. very questionable things. But in this one, it's like, I... I mean, I, the film I, shows I you in the first chart. one what you want to see, right? Or, or what they want you to see. So yeah. it's, it feels possible that he could have, you know, it's also possible that he could have changed from that event. You know, he got his vengeance. Sure. Um, I, yeah, I think no. the other thing that's okay, attached that, that's, to that too. Just to, just to say, it, I mean, that, yes, sure. that is, that's the way I could justify it in my mind. I don't think the film mm-hmm. is... <laughs> the film doesn't do that. I don't think the film is good yeah, enough yeah. for me to, like, I, I, I'm doing more work than the film is to justify it, yes. I guess is the best yes, way to say Yes, I agree. Yeah, you shouldn't have to make that much of a leap. Of a leap, yeah. So, but the other part of the, I guess the flip side to that is that the plot, the way that they kind of set it up with the abduction and whatever else... I guess I kind of got lost in what they were trying to do later. And so I could understand that he's trying to fulfill a goal. But to me, as an audience member sitting there, I was like, well, what would this accomplish if he succeeds? Do you know what I mean? Right. What's really, yeah, what's going to happen next? So, right. Because right, that's, that's where the script loses its its gusto because it it doesn't it doesn't fall through on that premise. They, they throw the premise out the window halfway and then it's like, well, shit. What are we gonna do? Uh, yeah, there's not much story here. That's the thing. Like yeah, that's why right, I think it's right. a bad script. I think it's bad writing. Yep. I think there's, yep. there you you only you have to only rely on the actors at that point to carry the movie to its conclusion because mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't have enough story to tell for a movie that's two hours. Like it's there's yeah, it just I suddenly like drops the bottom agree. out. Yeah. It's, it feels like more like there was an outline for this movie than like a whole like written thing. Like, it's not like when like it's not like when um, here's an example. It's not like when Diesel and David Toohey got together and they're like, guys, the Riddick Chronicles, and they have like leather bound books full of all ri- the Riddick stories they want to tell. This is more like guys. <laughs> well, first they played been, Dungeons and Dragons. It's and been, I mean, they actually do. Like, so that's the thing. I know Vin Diesel's like a huge like nerd. Yeah, but like, um, no, but but I guess going back to that because. Uh, again, I, I sort of got lost with the narrative structure of it. Just even if mm-hmm. he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, Del Toro accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. I don't know how that solves what they originally started. Yeah, out. Yeah, it doesn't at all. It doesn't solve. No, it yeah, at all. there's it there's a lot of about a completely yeah. different thing. It's like let's save our asses. Let's do what we think is right now. Yeah, it's a weird. It puts you in a weird position to kind of when you think about well, what happens if they did do this thing? Well, what where does how does that what what happens next? What's the next? Yeah, what's the next part of that? If they actually co- yeah. conclude with this in the way that they're supposedly trying to, it's a weird movie. It's weird for that reason. Yeah, I, I, I can we talk about some of the the merits? I guess now. Sure. <laughs> um, what I liked about this one was the I, I mentioned like the 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 war at home kind of character, um, and I really liked how they continued with how. Uh, some of these border crossings might work or, you know, how, how there's actually multiple parties involved, not just 
people that are brown. You know what I mean? Um, and I was like, oh, that's that's a really cool thing. But again, that kind of gets dropped as well uh, for some other elements. Um, oh, that, yeah. OK, that, I know what you're referring. I was like, what? OK, yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> right. There's like elements of just how he gets back home kind of thing. Um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of a neat thing to look at. And I guess it's a neat thing to explore. But again, they kind of drop it for run and gun shoot -ems. So there's there's actually, again, I I think Aaron, both Aaron's are agreeing with me in that there's there's really interesting elements of this yeah. movie that yeah, just there's ideas here for sure i agree yep yeah. they just aren't executed on at all i yeah. i do now from a i guess a filmmaking standpoint like i do think there's good like there's tension that's established that i think's handled quite well uh the thing mm -hmm. the things occurring around the spoiler stuff i really liked actually i um i think there's a lot of good build-up to how that plays especially in the way it uh, certain characters eye each other and the way that comes back is I, I, I liked yeah. that. I was like, oh, cool. I was like in my seat thinking, oh no, this is like, things are going to get bad now. Yeah, I didn't I like that at all. I have a spoiler question for you eventually, sure. but um, so. um, <laughs> I was like, this, this, they're taking a long time to eye each other right now. <laughs> and that kid really just showed up out of nowhere in a parking lot. Is that out of nowhere? Yeah. I mean, okay. Regardless, I like the buildup that led to sure. certain things like that. There's tense right. scenes like that that I think work quite well. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's the there's the little action that there is in this movie. I think is handled quite good. I, I like the kind of shootout. There's one big ambush that's like ripped right out of the Clear and Present Danger playbook that I think is really well accomplished. And um, Iron Man. Uh, yeah, but Clear and Present Danger's first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a little Shea Wiggum goes a long way. I was sad he wasn't in it more, but um, I like Shea Wiggum, so I was like, oh, he pops up here. That, that was cool. Um, <laughs> what else? What other good things are... I mean, the little levity that there is with Jeffrey Donovan and Bro Brolin, I think is also yeah. nice. I, I like By when... the way, the Shea Wiggum thing, I mean, mm -hmm. that's another plot point that's oh, yeah. really interesting, just like private contracting. That feels like... I I'll, that, that felt like, I'll be back for Sicario 3. Like, that's what that felt like to me. Like, that's yeah, his yeah. character. But I mean, like, the character that he plays is kind of like, just like this ex-paramilitary guy that mm -hmm. has connections to weapons and, and equipment. And it's like, this is kind of cool because these government contracts are not cheap because he mentions a price tag in there. And I was like, that's a lot of fucking money per month. Uh, to do this, and it's like I'm pretty sure that 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 this happened. Hey, hey, no rules this time. <laughs> we should make that an audio drop. Weapons, on the show. Free, my we should make that an audio yeah. drop for now on. No rules this time. <laughs> That's gonna be a recurring theme. So yeah. listen up, Dion. No rules this time. Any other thoughts on Sicario? I mean, uh, we we've discussed it to death, but uh, I I will say that I was pleasantly surprised that it was better than I thought the trailers were leading me on to believe. Um, of just like I thought it was going to be more just the second half of the movie for the whole movie. Uh, I'll but say this: they, don't watch they, the trailers; they, it gives way too much away. <laughs> I, I stopped watching after like the one where he, you know. Tells the guy to put on his glasses. Yeah, yeah the, the trailers give way too much away in this movie because there's not much movie here to tell. So, it, so it, the plot's pretty <laughs> much I'm going to go back and watch all the rest of like the, the media material to see what, how much they give away. No rules this time. All right. Uh, well, when should people go and see Sicario Day of the Soldado? Aaron, you already kind of gave your thoughts on that, but you want to reiterate where people should see this movie? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, if you want to go see this movie, go see it in a movie theater. If you don't feel compelled to rush out you can wait you know it, it's it's gonna be just as good or just as lacking at home <laughs> yeah I, i'm kind of there too I, i'd say let's say it's a it's a netflix kind of thing because there's nothing in here that you would necessarily need to see on the screen that makes it better or the sound better in a theater 
yeah, it's a it's a movie pass. <laughs> That's where I'm at with this. It's it's, yep. it's a perfect. Yeah, we're, like, yeah. we're really arranging our, our scale here. I well, I mean, I think it's like, hey, you know what? I have the time. I can go see this movie. That's kind of where I thought sure. of it. It's like, hey, I, I like Sicario. I have some time right now. Yeah, then then you can go and see Sicario: Day of the Soldado. But yeah, certainly yeah, not. That's it's you know yeah. it's not it's not hitting the same levels as the first Sicario. Um, yeah. No, it's not. It's not uh, not some of the movies on my top list of this year. You know, it's a good thing you mentioned that because we are going to get to our favorite films of the year so far. We are recording this on July first, which means we are officially halfway through the year. So I told Abe, hey. We should talk about what we think are the best films of the year so far, because why not? That seems like a fun thing to do. Uh, and fortunately, I had Aaron do the same as well, so we're going to do that right now. We're gonna just going to you know, kind of quickly go over what we think are some of the best movies this year. Um, I'll point out right now, just because I like to plug my own stuff, uh, I currently have a list over at uh, WeLiveEntertainment.com. I wrote my favorite films of the year, as well as my favorite movie moments of the year so far. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can. It's over at WeLiveEntertainment.com. But with all that said... Um, let's uh, go through it, guys. What do you think? Do you want to just kind of go through a... Uh, yeah, we'll go through just, each just other's like, Just like read a handful each or whatever? Yeah. No, I, think, I think we can name uh, all of them. That That's we what I mean, yeah. Like, read them all first. Okay. Yeah. Well, Abe, let's start, let's start with you. What, what are your favorite films of the year? So yeah, great. So I didn't have a full 10, probably because I have some movies that I have yet to see, which I also wrote down. But my list from 8 through 1, uh, 8, Incredibles 2, 7, Annihilation, 6, Ready Player 1... Five Black Panther, four Avengers, Infinity Colon, Infinity War, three Isle of Dogs, two Paddington Two, and number one The Writer. All right. I guess we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk more about that. Uh, I'll try to talk more about these as after we read our list. I guess. Uh, right, Aaron. How about you? What What are your favorites so far? Well, I'm a little behind this year, um, so my my list is a little short. Uh, sure. I don't. There's no order to this, but I would say. I think Annihilation is probably my favorite film of the year so far. Um, I enjoyed Black Panther and Infinity War. I liked Ready Player One. Uh, I really enjoyed Rampage. I'm one of those people. Hey, fun movie. Um, I, there you go. Fun, the, fun, fun movie. Our uh, guest that did not, unfortunately did not make it tonight was also a big fan of Rampage, so there you go. <laughs> oh, darn it. I would have liked yeah, to have so, that conversation. <laughs> I would have loved to have that conversation. Man, that was, that was a, a hoot and a half. <laughs> Anna was a big fan um, of Rampage yeah. too. We we saw Rampage together. That was a lot of fun to see. First yeah, it was fun. Uh, there there are a few that I know are good and um, have some good moments in them that I haven't seen. Like I I'm still trying to watch Game Night. I hear that that's uh, you know got a lot of people's like favorite moment of the year in it. Abe, um, Abe, Abe, and did then, you see Game Night yet? Yeah. Sorry, say that again. Abe, did you see Game Night yet? No, not yet. Okay, uh, that's on my that's on my list. I'm still waiting to hear because like I'm in the I think it's good but not great category, and I'm just so surprised mm. by how much love it's getting. So it's like okay, mm. like I like it's certainly I, I recommend it for sure, and I look forward to hearing other thoughts on it. I'm just, that's where yeah. I stand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that, that sounds fair. I, I also want to watch it soon because I've heard a lot of things, and I'm I'm not I'm, I, I'm not sold. It's certainly we'll it, I'll most, say this. It's certainly like one of the best directed studio comedies I've seen in a long time. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah. that's a good sell. You'll, you'll, that is a good sell. When you see it, you'll understand why cuz there's a lot better direction going on than most studio comedies you'd see. Hmm. Fair enough. Well, yeah, so that's my list it's short. Most of what I think is probably going to be the best of the year hasn't come out yet as as it tends to go. Okay. Um 
but uh, yeah, that's my list. I'll say, cool. guys, I have a I have a whole list here, including runner ups, because I've seen a lot of movies I really like. Now I, I, I I've got two uh, could have been or not two could have been, but I have two uh, add ons and then uh, a list of movies that I haven't seen. Yeah, well, <laughs> I and that I mean, obviously, I see a lot of movies, so that kind of yeah. <laughs> rubs it too. Yeah, but, if I had your time and I was watching that many movies, I'd have a longer list too. <laughs> but um, so yeah, my my top ten so far is a Hereditary, uh, Annihilation. Uh, Thoroughbreds, uh, Incredibles 2, First Reformed, Isle of Dogs, Death of Stalin, uh, You Were Never Really Here, uh, Black Panther, and Paddington 2, which I just watched again. I think this is my third time watching Paddington 2. It's just delightful. delightful. <laughs> like, I, I mean, yeah. it's it's so like, and like, I hadn't watched Paddington 2 since before tragedy happened so it's like now it really got to me <laughs> it's oh. like this is so nice this is such a good like it just it just wins me over so easily as far as well, the direction the too we, we talked about it uh oh, it's a great made movie sure. yeah. the direction is great and also the way that they kind of use pop-up books and and kind of visual mm-hmm. cues is is excellent and every actor is so like on their game as far as what they need to do to make humor and emotion register like it's just such yeah. a like a great delight to see hugh, hugh grant like acting cr- like a fool like in this movie yeah he, or, he's uh he's, he's acting the fool literally because he's yeah. he's like a he's a, a washed up actor and uh yeah and, and brendan gleason's like this whole i mean yes Patton 2 is wonderful but th- i mean there's a lot of good movies here i really want to what going through my list is like i really want to watch some of these again i just watched annihilation again and there's a among the things in there that whole nightmare bear sequence is terrific it's I don't so like, like that bear. it's gonna haunt your, it's gonna haunt my dreams forever like, it, yeah i don't are, like that bear. there's so many things from that movie that i will mm-hmm. never forget and i only saw it that one time mm-hmm. yeah. like that's that to me is what a truly fantastic film should do yeah it's, yeah it's terrific and alex garland is he's, he's like batting a thousand for me uh, kind of thing but uh, what's interesting about Annihilation too is just the discussion that we had, uh, Aaron, on our when we were reviewing it and kind of having like a, uh, additional talk about it, of just you know thoughts on on what the Annihilation is doing and also like what what happens at the end. It, it, it's one of those movies where um, sure a lot of people I we all remember when people were saying like well don't go see it because it's too complicated it's too difficult it's like no you should watch movies that challenge you because even if you don't get it at least you will have exposed yourself to those kind of things and i really wish that people would kind of go and see annihilation and you kind of got a short end of this the shrift kind of thing um not critically i mean as far as financially sure but even then the general audience yeah but at the same time i don't expect that movie to be like a blockbuster i it's on i don't, I don't it's, expect it it's either, unfortunate but, it's kinda like, I was, but like i it, I, I, I was kind of hoping for like a better i guess audience score um i i don't it, at this point i i I, yeah. I have very i have very exact expectations of audiences these days when it comes to things that aren't the same as everything else even though people seem to ask for getting something different and yet can't handle when things aren't um yeah <laughs> like uh blade runner 2049 and like what the heck that movie was great it <laughs> is different. a good movie yeah it, it presents its own problems at, at the same time i mean all of these movies are going to be like you know classics in their own right years from now which is a sad thing yeah. to say i guess that it's not being recognized more now but at the same time you just know the where way you, it goes you know where you stand already on it you already recognize why you think it's you know fantastic so just let the world catch up i guess it's the best you can yeah. do yeah um it, it, uh, it's happened from the beginning of filmmaking yeah. i mean it, it yeah. continues to happen you know you look at how many movies from the 70s 
bombed mm-hmm. and 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 actually weren't even liked by critics at all and right. now are considered masterpieces yeah masterpieces know? are classics yeah hey, um, Aaron, you mentioned huh? yeah. you were never really here yeah and i want to ask fink if you saw that no, I haven't, okay. and I've heard that it's great, and that's on my list of things to see okay. as well. Because yeah. it's on my it's on my cusp list, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so I, w- I was just curious if Fink had seen it. We could discuss a little bit further, but we'll we'll refrain because Aaron and I have definitely talked about that to to varying degrees on our show. I, I think sure, it's such sure. a it's such a great mood piece for me. Like I think it it's less like the story is inconsequential in my eyes. It's more about just yeah. everything Lynn Ramsey's doing as a director, all the effort that. Um, uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix is putting is into it because he's just like he seems like he's always firing on all cylinders these days. Um, so it's just it just really works well for me as far as I'm just so into this and it's like 90 minutes. Like it's not even like a lot. If this feels like a movie that could be like two and a half hours and yet it just flies by instead. It just well, it you... feels like it feels like they were trying like not not that they're trying to, but as as a person watching the trailer, you'd be like, oh, this is a really long, complicated story. It's like it's actually kind of not. It's it's kind of like. It's very oh. meandering. Oh yeah, it's uh, meandering. It's very. I mean, it's there's there's about as much plot as Sicario too. I mean, there's not much that happens. But in this it's movie. better. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. more interesting and like better executed. Oh yeah, exactly. That's the that's the difference. You which know? which is like the term that I use to describe it is uh, it was artistic because I couldn't really group it into like it, it wasn't bad, but also it was like very interesting. Um, and there's uh, some a lot of depth to it where you wouldn't expect. But at the same time, like it also deals with some icky things. I think the I think the um the thing you can recognize for most of my top 10 lists over the years is that I very much respond to um, out-and-out craziness, um, dark comedy, and existential dread. Um, I think that's why you can see movies like You Were Never Really Here, First Reformed, Melancholia, Another Earth. Like Those all fall into my Nobody top 10 lists. Nobody likes Melancholia. That should have been on, yeah, been on the end for discussion. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with those, uh, those, you know, those categories, those yeah. checks off the list, if yeah, you will. Yeah. Those tend to make their way into my top 10s for good reason. <laughs> like, I just respond to them very easily. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. That's a good thing. I'll it makes say... me think of Good Time, which I just yeah. saw oh, the first good time. Oh, I've got to watch yeah. that. Good... No, it's... So I was watching... Um, there was a clip of um, what's his name? Uh, what's his name on SNL? Um, Robert Pattinson. Oh yeah. Uh, Pete, 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 Pete Davidson. Uh, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. Oh, Pete yeah. Who's like he's promoting his movie. He's in Set It Up. That's on Netflix. But he like he came wearing a Good Time shirt and he's sitting next to Robert Pattinson the whole time. And he just wanted to pimp his movie. Like he just wanted to talk about oh, how great Good Time is. From he showed a clip from Good Time. Yeah, he showed a clip from Good Time. <laughs> he's just sitting next to Robert Pattinson saying, "I've watched the movie like thirty times. I love it." Like he's just talking the whole time about Good Time, which was hysterical. Um, uh, but yeah, Good Time's great, and that's another one that falls right into that trap where. It's less about the plot yep. and more about just like look at these directors doing this crazy thing in New York for uh, you know an hour and a half for our Pattinson. <laughs> like it's just really yeah, fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll say this: uh, you were never really yeah. here. Was higher on it. It was number two before I moved Black Panther to number two. Honestly, because I love Black Panther. I think it's really great. I've watched it a few times now, and it's just like everything it is these, quite good. Everything that these Marvel movies do, this movie does really well. It yeah. hits those kind of required beats that can be you know somewhat like obvious or whatnot as far as now we have the big battle and you know they're you know insert yeah. this action scene and we need like certain plot things or whatnot but re- it just takes to the next step just because it's such a a great like look at african culture as well as yeah, a great comment refreshing. as well as a great comment on african-american culture and yeah 
the idea that Ryan Coogler could step up into this big blockbuster world and make a film that still feels personal to him, I just find that really impressive. And it's one where I look forward to rewatching this movie in the years to come when it comes to like watching superhero movies because, hey, why not? And this is going to be one of the ones that falls into that category. Because I think it's just so, yeah. so well accomplished in what it's doing within the mold of what we're currently seeing in all these big superhero movies. Right, yeah. Sure, I mean, I, sure. it, I, mean yeah, I think it's on all of our lists as well. Um, I really like that movie a lot. I've seen it a couple times. Um, and uh, the direction part of it, I, I think, is is accurate of what you're saying. But I also think there's like some really interesting choices, too. Because I can remember the part that kind of stands out is um, when uh, Michael B. Jordan is like walking through the palace on his like his first day and the camera's upside down kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's kind of yes. cool that stuff. That was the best, the best choice that he made. And honestly, I wish he made more of those. Because yeah. If you look at Fruitvale and Creed, he he takes a lot of artistic liberty in mm-hmm. in the shot choices and framing, and he didn't do as much of that in Black Panther. There's a lot of medium shot talky scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's just the way Marvel movies are. But I, but uh, if I, I love that movie too. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just like a third act problem, really, for me. And and not to say that the whole third act is bad, but like that battle just you know falls into the same marvel trap that they all do it does and i'll but i'll say this watching it on but there Blu- are things about it wa- that are great watching like, it on blu-ray at home for one thing the effects they they look better they, they look but well they also oh, it does they, well yeah but also because they, they, that rhino it's because they still work it on these better. things they still work on these yeah. things after they leave theaters like they know what they can yeah. do to tune them up especially for a blu-ray yeah. release but they, it looks better for one thing i have less problems okay. with how it looks now than i did in theaters but uh what was i gonna say oh um as far as Cougar's direction goes, I know what you're saying here, and I completely agree as far as he's doing, he has to fall into like a studio more than his own thing. But mm-hmm. I think after this, I think the Black Panther 2, um, spoilers for Infinity War. <laughs> I was going to be like, you know, I don't know. We got to be careful here. I mean, we all know that Black Panther died, but when Black, Pan- when Black Panther comes, when Black Panther 2 comes out, uh, blacker, um, it's, um, <laughs> Panther. I, 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 Black Pantherer. Blacker Panther. <laughs> I think that's going to be the film that gives Coogler more free reign to kind of be his own director. Sure. In the same sure. way that I think, even though I don't like Guardians 2 as much as I like Guardians 1, it's still... Volume 2 feels a lot more like a James Gunn film than Volume 1 does, as yeah. far as the directorial yeah. visual choices made. Uh, right, so it's a like, lot more like Super. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly like Super. There's, there's a lot more There's a lot more head, head skulls being crashed into the ground. <laughs> Actually, I think there are, <laughs> given that final battle. Shut up, battle. Ryan. I'll never forget that movie. That movie's great. That's a really good movie. Yeah. It, 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 it's got the... Uh, we talked about... Uh, what was the movie where... I was liking it to Super, but Super had more focus and it had a more. Is the movie where with Elijah Wood and he's playing like this like weird neighbor with um, you? You um, the one with oh, Melanie Linsky. You don't live on this planet anymore. You or don't, you, like you, you, yeah, you never. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, you don't. We all know feel at like, home. But that movie yeah, just the Sundance movie. Yeah, that that one was not a super movie, but it was trying to be a super movie, and mm-hmm. is, so that's why Super is like, yeah, no, it definitely had something to say. Um, uh, Aaron, I want to ask you about the writer. I didn't hear it on your list. Uh, so my my um my my runner ups. So I have American Animals, Beast, The Endless, First Match, The Writer, Tully, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, I do like the writer a lot. It's not as high, but I do. I am a fan of it. And you know, things may change. Maybe I'll see it again later on in the year, and by the end of the year, I'll have a list that has the writer on it or whatnot. Yeah, for but sure. I, but then your our list will be you know kind of different. I, I certainly I haven't forgotten about the writer. It's in my runner ups, as I said. It's yeah. just not. Not quite as high, um, okay, um, as some of the other ones as far as 
how much thought I've put into them since seeing them or what have you. Um, yeah. But I mean, the, as I said, I like all these. Like, there's none of these movies I don't like, and like, it's a matter of, you know, whatever whatever random thing in my head says this movie's better than that movie that puts it ahead of the other. But there's only like my top five I'm pretty secure with right now. Like, I know what sure. those, those those stand out to me. But uh, no, certainly. Even six okay. first reform is really good. This <laughs> first reform. That's on my list. Aaron yeah. Aaron Fink, did you have a list of your two watch movies? Oh my god, it's so long. I didn't make one, but <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, it's it's everything that you guys have on your list that I haven't seen, yeah. uh, <laughs> and so much more. Yeah, I'm very behind, unfortunately, yeah. because school and internships and such. I feel like I'm behind on like the movies that I would more gravitate toward like my list is death of solid first of four american animals hearts hearts beat loud which i guess i did mixed reviews uh, won't you be my neighbor rbg lean on pete thoroughbreds three down ghost rangers leave no trace upgrade and then i was looking at some lists of other people's and everyone seems like to talk about this movie called zama which i haven't heard about and uh, i'm curious about it and the guardians which is uh this world war one kind of period piece but um, yeah, so there's definitely a lot of movies that I have to catch up on, which are smaller in nature, and I tend to like those um, as yeah, well. I'm the same way. It's always like the stuff that I can't get around to seeing because it's either not playing near me or I just don't have the time to go. You know, like those those smaller films definitely are uh, are on my list. I haven't seen any of the horror movies that have come out this year, um, including uh, Quiet Place. So yeah, you can put you all those horrors on my list. Abe and I are the two guys that are just okay on a quiet place. Yeah, we're you we're, can see we're, that. we're it. <laughs> Everyone else loves a quiet place. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, like, we're not the best reference, I think, for a quiet place opinions. <laughs> it, it, when, when, whenever I see it on like people's uh, list of like top tens or top movies so far, I'm just like. I don't know if they really watched it. Right. I Everyone, no, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not saying people, we watched it differently. I just know I, I was less of a fan than most people. I like <laughs> it. I think it's a good movie. I just didn't like yeah. it as much as I know other people liked it. True, true, true. Uh, Aaron Frank, my last question to you. Did you watch Hereditary? No, that's okay. on my list too. Okay, yeah. just curious. Do you need All to right. see it? Yeah, that's a that's a big one. I, I didn't even see Deadpool too. I'm just really behind. No worries. You, school is much more important. As an Asian person, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> American Animals is on my list, too. Uh, so one. it's Upgrade, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor is on that. Um, the other documentary that... What's the other documentary that came out? Uh, the RBG doc. Yes, RBG. That's definitely on my list, for sure. Incredibles 2, I still haven't seen. So yeah, I'm a little behind right now. I'm. Worries. I gotta get out there. Gotta get out there in the world. All right. Well, when we do our three fourths of the way through the year list, you'll be sure to get you back on, and we'll see where that's that's going. I think, that, yeah, that, I think be, that's like I in September. Be a little further yeah. along. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Well, that was that was some talk on the, our favorites so far. Let's move on to uh, let's get some out now feedback. Be back. Be back. Be back. No rules this time. Here's where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast. We go over the various questions and answers. Um, that we gave the listeners, and they gave us answers to, then they gave us questions that we can give answers to. And let's get this going. Here's the first question. What are the best films of Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin? Uh, Philip writes The Little Prince and No Country for Old Men. Alan Aguilera, friend of the show, writes Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Jay, friend of the show, writes uh, If you flip around when Brolin and Clive Owen played Dwight, then I'd say Sin City. If not, then Infinity War. Uh, 
Oh, I see what you say. Because they're both. Huh. Yeah. Because uh, I forgot about that. Because Did they, they changed Dwight. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Clive Owen plays Dwight in Sin City, which in stars Sin City. which stars Benicio del Toro also. But then Brolin uh-huh. Brolin plays Dwight in Sin City: Game to Kill Core, which yeah. which Benicio del Toro is not in. So I see what he's saying. I, I get what you're doing. Clever. Uh, Rich, Richard, uh, he writes, uh, I just watched Sicario for the first time since I saw it in theater. I forgot how great that film is. Going to see the new one this weekend sometime. Okay, it's so not a direct answer to the question, but there you go. Um, yeah. Chris writes Sicario, and Justin writes The Usual Suspects and No Country for Old Men. Okay. What about Snatch, guys? Come on. Snatch? That's your answer. That's a good answer. Frankie Fourfingers. Frankie Fourfingers, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm a big Way of the Gun fan, so that... I think by default might be my favorite Denise Toro movie. Although, like I said, I'm a big Traffic fan as well. So yeah, I think he's great in almost every movie. That he's yeah, been but he's I think is one of those kind of actors that yeah. Always I mean, this. like you know, he's questionable in this in his Heineken commercials, but he's pretty good in his movies. It's completely authentic. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> the Heineken, Heineken commercial. <laughs> Uh, the next question we asked everybody: What are your favorite sequels that featured a new lead character? Philip has Toy Story two. Um, he means Jesse kind of kind of came into the picture. I, I still show, don't Jay... see this as a new lead character. It, the Jesse's a new character, sure. I don't know if it's well, a new you, lead yeah. character. I mean, it's not her I'll story. Accept. It's it's still Woody's story. I know. I'm just, I'm just I'm going into this. My fellow AA run on this one. There you go. It's still a Woody story. Two, two on two. <laughs> Uh, friend of the show Jay has The Lost World colon Jurassic Park which undeniably remains the best Jurassic sequel um, Chris has three colors red or white but definitely red uh, he's talking about the French film series which is very uh, that's, that's a great I trilogy guess. Greg has uh, Saw 6 or Final Session 5 man he's just going for the stretch ones I like that you <laughs> had to consider what Roman numeral was right there for a second you like paused to make I, sure I, you were saying the right one more. I, and then my dyslexia kicked in <laughs> But um, Saw 6 or Found Station 5, uh, Justin has just our Star Wars colon The Force Awakens, uh, which obviously featured um, Ray and Finn and Kylo uh, Ren and Poe. Um, BB-8. BB-8, yeah, of course. Um, I like this question because I was really thinking about this. Favorite sequels that feature a new lead character? Because there's, there's a lot of options. For this. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yes, that's obviously the go-to. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. That's obviously the first one I thought of. Yeah, it involves normal people. Um, what, what were yours? I'm trying to come up with, like, ones I... That, that's a new lead character. Mm, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I guess, kind of, indirect sequel. That's a good, that's a good uh, call, because that's, uh, that's a go, solid move. You can go with... a lot of ways on this, for sure. We'll come back to me on this. I have a lot. Okay. There's a lot I can say. I'm trying, I'm trying to like narrow it down. So let's keep going. Um, what are your favorite macho movies? Uh, Tammy writes Rambo, Die Hard, and Top Gun. Christine writes Escape from L.A., Tombstone, and Terminator. I see that she writes Escape from L.A., and I wonder if she means Escape from New York, but I feel like that's pretty deliberate, and shame on you. Um, Greg writes Bad Boys. Uh, Philip writes The Last of the Mohicans. Scott, that's a macho. All right, I guess so. Um, Scott writes the Wild Bunch, and Jay writes the Dirty Dozen. Hmm. Favorite macho movies. Uh, Predator is uh, pretty good. I mean, I was Commando. I would say like Rocky Four as well. Rocky like, Four is a good one. He solves communism. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, which one's the ugly one? Oh, Eli Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on. I Next take question. all series, all questions very seriously. So. <laughs> Next question: What are your favorite films involving an ambush? Justin has The Rock. Um, 
you know, he can't give that order. Uh, Blackhawk Down, <laughs> Hamburger Hill, probably could add Jaws and Jurassic Park to that list as well. Are you laughing at the rock thing? Yes. <laughs> he can't give the order. And then I love how Ed Harris is like, God damn it, are you stupid or something? <laughs> Cease fire! Yeah. Uh, so Jay has Return of the Jedi. Uh, Scott has Iron Man. Philip has Road to Perdition. And lastly, Chris has Easy Aliens. Uh, this is pretty simple for me. Uh, I already mentioned Predator. I'm going to say Predator again. <laughs> um, that's a ambush. And uh, Clear and Present Danger. I already mentioned that in the Sicario. You review. mentioned that in the review. That's, that's one of like the best action sequences in the 90s in a movie that does not get referenced nearly enough because there's a lot of great things in Clear and Present Danger. Well, you know, the character is still alive and well in John Krasinski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're going back. Coming it's to Prime. Prequel. Yeah, it's on Prime. Everything will be better than um, Shadow Recruit, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I completely forgot that. that that was a movie. It's starring Kevin Costner. <sighs> no, starring Chris Pine. Sir. I know, but Kevin Costner is his, like his like his his like whatever handler guy. <laughs> yeah, he's his Morgan Freeman. Summer of all fears. His his James yeah. his James Earl Jones. <laughs> his James Earl Jones. Yes. <laughs> We're really good at movie trivia. <laughs> <laughs> we came to play. Abe. That's true. Oh, so next question. Um, yeah. Favorite films about family secrets. Chris writes Soul Food, The Devil's Advocate, and Four Brothers. Um, Alan Aguilera, he has Inside Man. Does that count? Sure. That's about there's sure. some, There's some secrets in there. Yeah. Um, Kareen writes Crimson Peak and Chinatown. Oh, Crimson God. Peak? I honestly was going to say that as a joke. <laughs> I was going to say the, the, the hysterical romp Crimson Peak. It does have family good, secrets. Good practical effects. God damn. Damn, that had bad practice. Bad special effects. <laughs> so bad. Uh, can't oh, like that, the that ghost, ghost lady happens. coming out of the blank boards? Yeah, no, that was stupid. But the house, had, like, the production design was amazing. That was the coolest house I've ever seen, but also kind of a ridiculous house. Okay. Kim writes, well, I'd have to say Hereditary. Uh, Chris writes The Royal Tenenbaums. Justin writes Get Out. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Uh, <laughs> Philip writes Your Name. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jay has Psycho. I mean, that's a good answer as well. I mean, so, yeah. Oh, I'll say, uh, I'll say, Empire Strikes Back is my movie right there. Favorite films about family secrets. I mean, we would never have known that Lando and 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 uh, and uh, go on our friends. <laughs> Spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Take me a second. I was like, wait, am I calling Han Han or Lando Lando? Anyway, um, family secrets. Yeah, sure. All of those that you guys had said. Uh, old boy. There's another one. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good one. That's a, that's a, I gotta go take a shower now. <laughs> now we move into the questions that the audience asked us. Philip asks everyone here today, what score consistently motivates you to rewatch the movie when you hear it? Oh, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Um, that's one. Right there. Okay. I hear the soundtrack. I'm like, yeah, I gotta watch Scott Pilgrim. Now. Um, let's see. One that I, I haven't... Find... One that I... I I haven't watched, but I listen to the score a ton of is the social network. And I keep thinking, I really want to watch the social network. And I just don't have yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. What is it like hand covers, hand eye or I forget the name of the track from Trent Reznor, but it's, it's, it's a great track. Uh, when there's like a dramatic climax in the movie. Um, the movie that I always think about whenever I have to go rewatch it is uh John Williams score to home alone. Cause that's, hmm. that's my go-to that's every, every Christmas. But just whenever I, 
hear the scrum is like, oh, I should go check out some clips or whatever the case is. Ooh, I got really bored when you talked about Home Alone. What were you saying? <laughs> Sorry. Lost in New York is better. Apparently, <laughs> you. How dare you. Oh, man. I don't listen to a lot of scores, but uh, lately I've been listening to the Tron Legacy score a lot just because I love Daft Punk. And despite how amazing that score is, it does not make me want to go watch that movie because that movie was bad. I actually like that movie. <laughs> I mean, I might rewatch it again just because, like, the score is so good and I, and I want to you know, appreciated it in all its glory, but I was disappointed by that film a little bit. I'm not going that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. I'm not, a, not an avid score listener, but I do listen to like movies uh, that appear as, you know, like in the soundtrack or something, you know, music supervision choices, if you will. The Inception, gotcha. the Inception score comes up a lot too. I listen to that. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I appreciate and remember a lot of the famous ones and it's great to rewatch them. And I'm sure like whenever I hear anything that reminds me of the movie, I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, if it's, if it's one of those ones that forms the connection, there's, there's so many though, you know, I was like, kind of so thinking when I saw this question that, uh, Aaron knew you were going to mention uh, shark movies. Um, cause you mentioned them like almost every week. So I thought you were going to talk about jazz. Yeah, but I don't like I don't listen to the Jaws score a lot. Where I'm like, I need to watch Jaws right now, and like I've seen Jaws so many times, so it's not like I <laughs> need to race out and see Jaws every time I hear one of the most famous scores of all time. <laughs> so like I don't like I don't hear Rocky and think, man, I gotta watch Rocky right now. <laughs> Sometimes I do. It's like I, I really I really wanted to tell him uh, see him tell Mick off. <laughs> all right, will be in my prime, Mick. Did you guys talk about the Creed two Creed two trailer? We did last we did. week. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Nice. Thoughts on it? Yeah, man. I have some thoughts. <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, first of all, uh, the director Stephen Cable Jr. is an acquaintance of mine, so that's oh. very exciting. Um, I went to Sundance with him a few years ago um, before his first uh, directorial debut, The Land, which is also a good film. Yeah, that's uh, the movie about Cleveland. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the trailer was building up the, the hype, you know, like, uh, I didn't really see the, the Drago twist and then, uh, and it just, you know, some people think it's, it's like they're going to the well and, you know, they're not being creative and I understand that and I accept that, but as a fan of the franchise and honestly, I think Rocky four might be my favorite after the first one. Uh, I'm so stoked for that. <laughs> it's good. Like, I'm just like, I saw his name and I was like, oh my God, they're doing it. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, uh, it's perfect. Yeah, you're proud. You're proud of your buddies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm proud of him. And, and, you know, like, just as a fan, I knew that they, I had a feeling that they were going to go that way. And I'm not disappointed, even though I understand why some people would be. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I was one of those disappointed people. That's fair. Yeah. Right. Aaron, were you were you disappointed or are you excited? I'm more on your side. I I like the franchise enough where I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's let's see. I and I like Michael B. Jordan. I like. I'm a huge Creed fan, so it's like, yeah, all right. I I do think the the plotting is like, yeah, that's like that's that's the way to go, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I what I said last week was basically that I. I, I like watching Rocky movies, even the even the lesser Rocky movies. So like, if we're gonna yeah. get another one, sure, let's let's go for it. Let's see right. what we can do. Right. And I, I, I did also add that if it was good, I would eat my words gladly. So there's that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, now, um, Abe, what uh, what time is it? 
I think it's time for some quick games here. Oh boy. No rules this time. That's a quick theme. Cut that, that was out. good. Had to cut it yeah, out. I, 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 I couldn't. Yeah, I was like, I couldn't tell if it was a hard cut or your mic went out. It was a hard cut because we got to get to, we got to get moving here. All right, um, let's do it. It's a quick. It's a really quick game. It's our. It's our old favorite. What is their biggest film at the box office? Fireworks. Um, basically, I have. I'm going to ask you guys what you think the biggest films of these actors are at the box office. I only have three. Um, they should be three that you would automatically know. Maybe not the third one, just because whatever. Um, but here we go. I'm going to okay. ask you what you think the biggest film of these actors are at the box office. Fittingly, there's not much difference between domestic and worldwide, and even with inflation, so it's not much of a <laughs> it's not much of a change. <laughs> so okay. it makes it really simple for me. Um, but here we go. Not even like a much of a winner here. Just more of a hey, you think you know this? What do you think Benicio del Toro's biggest films at the box office are? I have all, I have the top five. Okay, are we, are we trying to get um, well, number one. So and 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 is it just like he's he's got any role? It doesn't have to be like he's starring or anything. Uh, yeah, it's yes, not a yes. It doesn't matter if he's okay. The lead so or supporting. Last Jedi, then right is the number one. Last Jedi is number two. Ooh, oh, I'm gonna okay. say an Avengers he, oh, Infinity, in Infinity War. War. Infinity yeah, War is number one. Yes. Boom, baby! That's right. And Josh, if you're asking Josh Brolin, same same answer. We'll get there. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else for Benicio. Guardians, the first one. That is number three. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what are the uh, next two? In two, is he? He Guardians is not in two? Guardians two. No, he's not. So. So we have two more? There's two more. Yeah, two more. Let's see. Benicio one, del Toro. One has been mentioned. Tra- Traffic? Traffic is number four. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That movie was made a lot of money. <laughs> it did well. It had a lot yeah. of... I mean, that's back when, like, these movies could make money, and you did have Benicio del Toro, Michael Douglas, Douglas Catherine Zeta-Jones, Don Cheadle. Don like, Cheadle. You have a solid cast. So, so. Louis Guzman. Louis Guzman. <laughs> Miguel Fierre. I mean, it's, it's a ton of people. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a big cast. Um, let's, let's see. Let's see, last one. Last one. This was, we also mentioned this uh, just recently in the feedback section. Earn loathing? No. Okay. Usual Suspects? Nope. In feedback? The original Sicario? Nope. Okay. That movie made like $80 million or $40 million. It's a big ensemble uh, movie. Um, Love Actually. Remember those scenes of Benicio del Toro Love Actually, where he was like Liam Neeson's old drinking buddy? Oh man, those are classic scenes. No, it is not Love Actually. <laughs> uh, we mentioned it in feedback. Snatch? I feel yes. bad. Not uh, Snatch. You're no, getting Snatch didn't make a lot of money. Um, getting closer. Twenty one grams. <laughs> no, not twenty one. No. That's an ensemble. It was an ensemble piece with Benicio del Toro. Um, let me see. I'm not looking at my feedback notes. Uh, can you give us a clue? There was a sequel that he's not in. Oh, did we uh, did we say Sin City yet? No, we did not. It is Sin City. There you go. Okay, good yeah. one, Fink. All right, the next one is Josh Brolin. Okay, well we got number one. Yeah, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I want to say you... Deadpool two. Deadpool two is number two. Yeah. Do, are we counting his? Uh, we're know, not. Like we're not counting his. We're not counting his cameos in the other. Yeah, okay. in that okay. or, or or in Guardians. I, I left those off Got because it. he's. You know, that's like nothing. That's like a yeah. five second thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, so Deadpool I, two we got. So we got the first two. I feel like no. 
country nope. didn't make a lot of nope. money. No country. Yeah, so that's not. On it there. made more money than most Coen Brothers movies, but yeah, it didn't make enough to be yeah know, among the among the Brolin top five as we for, as we call them. <laughs> Uh, I I bet you he Men in Black Three is probably Men in Black Three is number three. Ooh, we've got one, two, three so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now it only goes uh, downhill from here. True Grit. True Grit is number four. Is it? I was gonna think about that, but True Grit's True Grit's the Coen Brothers' biggest movie by far. Wow. Mm. Okay, I'm glad because I wasn't sure if that was gonna. I'm glad that made some money. That's a good pull too because I sometimes I forget that Josh Brolin's in True Grit because he's you know fourth lead in that movie. He's John Candy. Yeah, but it's still when I think of True Grit, I don't think of Josh Brolin enough, like the first person. You think of you think of Matt Damon, of course, obviously. Um, yeah, there's one more done. which actually swaps with number four when it comes to worldwide. That's not really much of a hint, but yeah, I was like, <laughs> uh, is it a western? Uh, what what what's the genre? It is a crime drama. Uh, oh, it's American Gangster. It is American Gangster. That American Gangster. Yeah, huge yeah. hit. That movie made a lot I of money. Remember, yeah. I remember that he was in that. Yeah, he plays the corrupt cop that's after uh, Denzel in that movie. Okay. He shoots himself mm. in the face. <laughs> it's what happens. I thought you were going to say the 2010 film Jonah Hex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got, he's got that weird, like, lip thing going on. The apex of Roland films. That's, where, that's, oh, that's what God. it is right there. Okay, the third one is Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Um, I'm going to say number one is, uh, or we, we don't have to go sequentially, right? You don't have to. Yeah. It'd be hmm. cooler Edge if you Edge of Tomorrow did. made some money, right? Edge of Tomorrow is number four. Okay, all right. I'm going to say... Um... <laughs> Salmon fishing in the yen. <laughs> <laughs> That's like number 17. Uh, I want to say uh, Into the Woods. Into the Woods is number two. There you go. Okay. Uh, girl on the Train didn't do well. I'm no. not going to say Girl on the Train. <laughs> that got like $6 million. Oh! <laughs> well, no, that's... That's that's being generous. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not... She was in that stupid movie. Well, I, I don't know if this is on there, but I, I'll shout out uh, uh, Snow White Winter's War. She's not in Huntsman. <laughs> No, she's in the Huntsman. She's she? just in the second one. Yeah. Yeah, she is in the second one. That's right. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, the, that was terrible. Place? But that's not on the list. Yeah, so right? Quiet Place is number one. That should have been obvious. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah, one, two, four. We need three and five. There you okay. go. Oh, yeah. There you need three and five. Okay. okay. So we said Into the Woods, Edge of Tomorrow, and, and Quiet Place. Yeah. So what about Sicario? No, no not Sicario. Okay. Number yeah, three yeah. should be like when you think of Emily Blunt movies, this is one that should stick out. Looper? Not Poppins? Loop. It's not Looper. Mary Poppins is an open name. <laughs> uh, um, when I think of Emily Blunt movies, this one oh. should stick out. Oh, um, no, she wasn't in it. She cleans up the after the dead people. No. <laughs> Sunshine cleaning? No. Sunshine that's not, cleaning? That's not it. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Wait, yes. did you say Looper? Uh, already yeah. said, no, it's not Looper. Oh, five-year uh, engagement. No, that's not it either. Dang it. This, okay, this was her breakout role. What? Drawing a blank here, buddy. Uh, um, can I ask the year? 2000, was it 2006? Oh, okay. 2006. Oh, Devil Wears Devil Wars Prada. Prada. Sorry. Yeah. Right, I've never seen that movie. Yeah. 
Okay, but it's still her breakout role. It's just, it's still <laughs> the movie that led to her getting more movies. So, okay, she and was, we need the fifth one now. I right? believe Golden Globe nominee, if I'm not mistaken, for, for Devil Wears Prada. She got a she got a Golden Globe nominee for that. Great, something like that. Uh, let's see the fifth. So now we need five. Number yeah, five. the fifth and one. And none here. of the other things I said were right. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, and we've uh, said a lot of uh, things that we've seen. What about but, that one with Matt Damon? What was that um, movie? The called? Martian. The, the, no, the, no, the, no. Um, they're like on the run. From yeah, the, the, uh, it, she wasn't people. nominated for a Golden Globe. I was, oh, wait, no, she always, yeah, she was. She was Meryl Streep got the Oscar nomination. She got the Golden Globe for Devil Wars Prada. Wait, we're we um, talking about the same movie here? No, I'm just talking about Devil Wars Prada. I'm, making, oh, okay. I'm correcting myself because I don't want to get angry fan letters. Um, <laughs> no, the one you're talking about, the, it starts with an A. Um, it's like the, not the, like, account, no, because that's the Ben Affleck movie. No, that's the, Ben Affleck. The yeah. Adjustment Bureau. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, not, that's it. not it. That's not it. That's not it, but, okay. you know. That's uh, it's more obscure. It's a voice. It's a voice of a character. Oh, um, Nomeo and Juliet. Nomeo and Juliet is correct. Um, oh my goodness. There's one that's number four worldwide um, that's different, um, and it stars Jack Black. Stars Jack Black. I don't think you guys will get this one, but I'm curious if you can. She had to drop out of doing another movie to do this movie. She had to drop out of, what was it? This sounds familiar. She had to drop out of Iron Man 2 to make this movie, because the studio forced her to stay. It was a Jack Black movie, <laughs> yeah. and it, it made a lot of money worldwide. I know it is. It made it, it made it a money worldwide. Yeah. What is it, Aaron? You know? Well, what is it? <laughs> Gulliver's Travels. Gulliver's Travels. That's correct. Oh yeah. wow. She was gonna be Black Widow, but the studio made her stay to be playing Gulliver's Travels while Scarlett Johansson got to be Black Widow. I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> it's just, I have to process that. That's trivia. All yeah. right, that's our game. Um, Thanks for that. Yeah, that was you're fun. Welcome. I know. It was a good team game. Ah, team games are good every now and then. As, I, yeah. as much as I like to see Abe lose every week, it's you know it's fun to do a different. Thing. Hey man, if I'm a winner in my heart, I'm a winner. That's that's. You finish that sentence, I'm gonna move on. Let's get to out now. out now. These are movies that are coming out on 4K, Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming. And first up is Blockers. I've heard I've heard mixed positive things about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there's a lot of people it. that love Blockers in the same way that they love Game Night, and it's like it's just whatever. Okay. Um, Beirut. This is the one with John Hamm. I saw this. I've heard mixed negative things about yeah, it. Yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah. I think there's good ideas here, and they just the film overall doesn't like kind of deliver. Did, did you say that it kind of touches upon that same uh, era where that uh, the movie with um... Seven Days in Antaba, which yeah, is yeah, also yeah, yeah, out yeah. this week it's... on Blu-ray? It's the next one I was going to read. Um, that's <laughs> wow, the... what a great segue! I know it's the better of the two films. They both have Rosamund Pike in it. That's also part of it. Um, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, and who's, but, the, who's the male lead in that? Uh, Daniel Bruhl is the male yes, lead in that. Yeah. Um, and lead is kind of like they're two they're two main characters in a in the movie, but it's kind of a it has multiple parts going on. But that's the one about the hostage situation in Entebbe. Um, that one I do like. I think it's it, it's more interestingly directed, and I think the the story is it does a good job of kind of telling that story about this hostage situation that happened in Africa. Um, with Middle Eastern and German people. It's a wild story. Um, next up, Borg versus McEnroe. This is the Shia LaBeouf tennis match movie. <laughs> no, I, I heard good things about I, it. Yeah, I heard good it, things about it. Apparently it like, went in and out really quickly. Yeah, because it's Shia LaBeouf in a tennis match movie. Who's going to see that? Um, but yeah, I did. I, it did get good I reviews. I love tennis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Another Wolf Cop. 
Which we have to watch and go and ask the director to come back on our show. Yeah, we we, we interviewed the the director of Wolf Cop, and he made yeah. the sequel. So, we, yeah, we should be getting that Wolf Cop money any day now, I assume. So <laughs> I don't make... think that's how it that's works. That's not what well, we, we raised the profile of Wolf Cop by interviewing the director. So clearly... By, Lo, by, by speaking with director and writer Lowell Dean? Yeah, so clearly he got to make the sequel. He got the out-and-out out bump. So, I mean... <laughs> we should be getting <laughs> Mr. Some Dean, kind of... if you're listening, we love you, man. <laughs> um, let's see. Next is The Female Brain. This is the Whitney Cummings-directed film. Um, I know almost nothing about this except for the fact that she directed it and stars in it with a bunch of other uh, female comedians, I believe. Um, Let's see. Lastly, from Arrow this week, Last House on the Left remastered. Wes Craven's uh, first uh, foray into horror, um, Mm, which I'm I'm a fan of. It has some goofy stuff in it, but it's also got some really disturbing stuff in it. So there you go. Okay. Good to know. Yep. That's what's out now. Let's move on to extremely cool. These things are now streaming on Netflix first and Prime. First up is uh, Glow Season 2. This is the series um, about the female wrestlers in the 80s, starring Allison Brie and Mark Maron. Yeah, among Mark others. Yeah, this is the second season that's now out on Netflix. Uh, Bo Burnham's What comes out this week. If you're a fan of Bo Burnham, he has a new comedy special to coincide with the release of his film Eighth Grade that's coming out. Yeah, this I was summer. like, I'm really waiting for his movie to be released. But he has a new stand-up yeah. special to prime you up for it. So there you go. Um, Menace to Society is also on Netflix. I saw that. I was like, I'm going to mention that because that's a good movie. That's a good movie. That is a good movie. The, uh, the Hughes Brothers uh, film. But, uh, yeah. And uh, on Prime this week, a number of things I saw that entertained me. Uh, the Monster Squad is on Prime. Uh, better than The Goonies. Um, so there, <laughs> there you go. Shane Josh Bla- Brolin. Shane Black scripted. <laughs> um, let's see. Mulholland Drive is on Prime. I was like, huh, there's a lot of David Lynch news. In the, yeah, David in the, Lynch has been in the news lately. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I'll point that out because that's on Prime now. And uh, lastly, The Foot Fist Way for uh, Danny McBride, Jodie Hill fans, their first film together. That, they, that, was, a, that was the film that uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Adam McKay said. They're like, we got to get this guy to do more things. Yeah, so that's on that's on Prime as well. And now he's making the Halloween remake. No, the David Gordon Green's making the Halloween remake. Oh, he helped write it. Danny McBride helped write it, yeah, yeah. Jody Hill directed Danny McBride. They're, yeah, okay. They're all BFFs together, so it's, it's yes. okay. Uh, let's see. So that's extremely cool. Next week, next week's show, we're talking Antman and the Wasp. Why did you say it with like a German accent? I just what? I just said Antman and the Wasp. What? That's, okay. not, that's not how you say it. <laughs> no, that's right. Okay. <laughs> but yes, that's the film coming out next week that we're talking about. Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's happening. The latest MCU film, which is I'm hearing, is way darker than Infinity War. I'm kidding. That's not true at all. It's going to be probably yeah, very like, I don't light. think that's, uh, that's accurate at all. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably going to be the most digestible movie you could watch this summer. <laughs> so there you go. Glad to hear it. Isn't it rated PG? It probably could be, really. But when I see it, I'll probably think, yeah, this probably could have been PG. They probably, they'd probably drop like one S-bomb. What sucks? I'm kidding. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next? Abe, what should people see in theaters right now? You go. You should go see Incredibles too. Uh, help that make some more money, even though it's already going bonkers. I just needed to make uh, second place for sure in my top ten list. Um, and then I'm gonna go see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp next. Aaron, how about you? God, what's even out anymore? Uh, most of what's out, I have not seen. That's good. And what I have seen wasn't good. So you guys just uh, go with your gut on this one. See the movies that other people are telling you are good. What do you see next? Hmm, I don't know. I think I might go see American Animals tomorrow. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, I would uh, 
I'll stay on this documentary kick. I think Won't You Be My Neighbor, that, that's spread wider this weekend, so go see that if you can. Um, Three Identical yeah. Strangers, that's solid, but it's only in four theaters right now, so see that one in Expands if you can. Mm-hmm. And American Animals is like half docudrama, essentially, so go see that. <laughs> you got lots of options. <laughs> if there's nice. one movie pass movie you should see, it's not Gotti. Um, and um, <laughs> next <laughs> next is... But uh, they produced that movie. And American one Animals. One for two, baby. They're one for two. 50 percent's not that bad. They, they distribute it. They didn't, they didn't like, produce oh, the movie. They, 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 they distributed it. Yeah. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is the next movie that I'm seeing as well. Cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now There in a Name. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find all my movie reviews over there, as well as on We Live Entertainment, where I'm also covering Preacher, which has just started again for its third season. Um, and you can find me on uh, Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Follow me on Instagram at abemua.jpg and twitter.com slash wallersmoose. Hashtag put on your glasses. Um, and uh, sub640 the podcast, sports podcast. Aaron Fink, where can uh, people find more of you? Uh, follow me on Instagram if you want. InstaFink with an underscore at the end. Uh, you can find me on Facebook too. I don't post a lot on social media, so. Your answer is really nowhere, but I'm trying to, you know, appease the crowd and, and make it seem like I'm social. Hey, you know how to play the game, and I like to be polite. So together, we make a podcast. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, you can find more of the other. You can you can find all of the other episodes over at Out Now Podcast at ah, You can find all of the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. You can also listen to us over at HHWLD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Email us your thoughts on anything we talked about today, as well as your dinosaurs over at Podcast at gmail.com. We're on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash podcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash underscore podcast. Send us those dinosaurs. Um, and finally, send us plenty of gifts of Benicio del Toro doing something weird over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. It's unfortunate that you can't send gifts with sound. I guess that'd be a video clip because I like his stutter in Last Jedi. Yep, it's a good stutter. Uh, but yeah. I'll reemphasize this again. Send us your dinosaurs. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you, Aaron, uh, for joining us. Thank you, week. Aaron. Oh, no problem. Happy to be here. For sure. And uh, until next time, when we get big and small, and then big again, and then small, then back to normal, then small, then maybe big again, that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, so long. 65 feet was your biggest? 65 feet. And goodbye. That's the mark of a good actor. He shows up on time. He he does his job. (laughs) Hey, he was on set.
<laughs> There's a lot of people on set. Production assistants. Best boys, gaffers. I feel, I feel like that's the go-to for, like, trying to say that a movie's not bad when you didn't really like it, which is like, well, you know, it's well-made. <laughs> and, like, the lighting, and, like, the lighting people did their jobs, and the sound's really good. Like, oh, yeah, the people that got paid a bunch of money to do their jobs did something good. Well, wow. <laughs> I mean, they don't have to be part of the union. <laughs> <laughs> they do if they want to work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have to have like your union card to hold lights. This isn't a. <laughs> this isn't Kevin Smith's first film. You got to be part of a union. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I guess my last final thought would be: I didn't leave the theater. You know, Aaron put so up this perfect like segue to the next segment, and you're like, "Let me add some more <laughs> thoughts right away." <laughs> Let's segue. <laughs> I was I was throwing you a lot. <laughs> Slam dunk. I'm gonna do that right now. I'm gonna print, I'm gonna edit all this out and I'm gonna print it like Aaron just said that and I'm like, well, good thing you mentioned that. I'm gonna say that just like that and you guys are gonna like just fold in and it's gonna be perfect. Well, it's a good thing right. you mentioned that, Aaron, because. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no rules this time.